not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 81, although it shouldn't be. Uh, I've sort of mentioned this a few times in the past and I I really don't know how this happened. It must have been just uh, a couple of tournaments on the bounce uh, and uh, something went wrong and basically I lost all of the interviews from this podcast. (coughs) Excuse me, um, from this podcast. And... um, Essentially, it it got lost in the archives. I thought I deleted them off my uh, my recording device. Uh, well, I had deleted them off the recording device, but I'd forgotten that I'd saved all the interviews elsewhere um, and and just just sort of yeah, they just kind of lay to the side, unused for months now. Uh, literally months and months and months. And in fact, uh, this this tournament goes back to all the way back to um, to to sort of. Um, April, I think it was. Yeah, so a um, bit of an April fool for for doing this. Um, it was on the first uh, of April and the second of April. The gates of Gondolin, um, and now here it is in uh, November, uh, mid-November, and I'm now finally getting round to recording the podcast and the sort of the uh, the bits, the intros, all that sort of stuff. So a bit of a bit of a fudge up there, but at least I've managed to do it, and and it's also. Um, I'd forgotten, basically, I was teasing ahead to the final time uh, I was taking my Numenor and my uh, uh, Rivendell Alliance out. So this was the kind of meant to be the end podcast of the Numenor journey, and I never delivered. So uh, really sad times, um, but hopefully this will live up to the excitement, especially for the patron supporters of the podcast who essentially got to choose this army. Um, so I think I gave patron supporters a few choices. From memory, it was three or four, um, and there was a vote, and people decided on the army I'm taking to this uh, event. Uh, so... so so yeah, so that's one of the great advantages of being a patron is occasionally I do stuff like that, um, but then I don't even deliver the <laughs> the goods, uh, so I've forgotten to actually give you the podcast um, that was uh, that, that it was all about. So that that's a weird one. So um, anyway, um, this was the Gates of Gondolin uh, in April the first um, GBHL 100 event. So this is the cream of the cropper compet- competitive kind of gubbins. And it's my Numenor that I'm going to be taking. So um, it, it is basically, um, a, it's a 7th City uh, Collectibles event uh, run by Will Champion, um, who we'll hear from later. And and essentially, this is um, this is kind of his, I'd like to say it's his one of his, or if not his, premiere kind of event. This is the the competitive, straightforward, no frills, the, just the kind of hardcore event. So this is the big one, you know. Uh, I think there was about... Uh, 60 or thereabouts maybe slightly fewer maybe slightly more uh, people at the event so not a huge huge 100 100 plus kind of person but in the hall that we were in easily could have fit that that number of people it was uh, the engine shed in weatherby uh, in yorkshire lovely lovely spot um really nice stayed in an airbnb around the corner uh, with uh, where an 83 year old was hosting me great great fun and also dave sweeting on the second night um uh, shout out to dave um and uh, and she made me like this absolutely killer uh, breakfast on the uh, the saturday morning so i was well and truly ready for for the event by the time we got there but we need to know what army i took and i've already teased it's numenor what are we building Ask 
So as I've mentioned, this is the last of the Numenor. I said I'd make Numenor great again. I've put them uh, back on the map. I wanted to try and see if pure Numenor would work. And this tournament was coming sort of relatively fresh off my decent success with um, pure uh, green Numenor at... Um, uh, at the uh, Grand Prix, which is a semi-competitive event as well. Uh, well, not semi, it's, uh, in fact, that's probably the more competitive event than this one. Um, but that's the one where we've got pods and you've got sort of a top a top cut and a, a knockout round and all that. So it's a sort of a premier competitive event, but it's got extra jank to it. This one is just a sort of straightforward classic six-round tournament. Um, and I'd, I'd come off the back of that thinking, well, I've kind of done... Uh, what I want to do with with the the pure Numenor, and that, that was around 600, 650, I think. I can't remember exactly. Um, this one is 800 points, and I'd toyed with the idea of a pure green Numenor. That was one of the options I gave to the patrons. So I think I had something like Elendil, uh, Isildur, and a captain um, as a choice. Um, then I did some other choices. So I think I did um, Isildur, uh, Elrond, and a captain. Uh, or something like that, and then I think I did another choice, um, which was Elendil, a restore with Bilbo, exciting, and a captain. Captains always featuring in these lists because <clears throat> they're just, I just, I really like the Numenor captain. And then the final choice was the one we settled with in the end, and this is the uh, Elendil. Gilgalad Last Alliance list, which is awesome. Really excited about this. And um, now the the first big choice uh, which I went for was who is going to be the leader. Now, this is tr this was a tricky one, I thought, because there there are some ups and downs. Obviously, first of all, Gilgalad fight nine. Okay, so both basically, I think they're both the same defense. So uh, defense eight or uh, maybe defense seven uh, for Gilgalad. I'm pretty sure the defense eight, uh, Gilgalad's defense eight with the shield so um you know what i've checked it's defense eight yeah so gilgalad and elendil defense uh, eight so that's a good start uh, both have a horse and um, so you know there's there's that um both have just the one fate so there's that um uh, obviously i started thinking then okay so what what differentiates them um gilgalad has a higher fight value than elendil base so i thought hmm, that that kind of pips him in some ways um, he also has Lord of the West, uh, so the re-roll to um, to uh, it, sort of the uh, win a fight, or so a dual re-roll and a, a wounding re-roll, and he also has the uh, the Lancey plus one um, spear thing. So I kind of I'd I basically thought right here is his all of the things stacked up, but Gilgalad just kind of pips it on these things, and I kind of. I think I did consider um, Elendil based on the magic, uh, the magic resistance, because he has the two, the inbuilt sort of resistance to magic. Uh, sorry, not uh, it's the other one; it's the higher version, so he gets to two resist dolls, uh, rolls. Um, but for some reason, I decided Gilgalad would be the better leader because of the fight value. I thought he's naturally going to win more fights. He's got um, uh, blood and glory as well, so he's more likely to to sort of get some might back and all these sorts of things. So, uh, and he's just uh, a little bit harder to to lose in combat i suppose um so that was my logic but of course i should have thought the magic is a really big deal here because you know i could i could be black darted i could be transfixed in combats um and so therefore in something like contest of champions i might not have as much of an advantage and um, but the other the other reason i thought this was that um 
if I use Elendil as the leader, then I might be a little bit more cautious with him. And I really want Elendil to be just slinging himself forward, killing stuff, going wild with his heroic combats, and you know maybe not being not being as uh, well. You know, I, I didn't want to be super cautious with him because he's the leader. So because um, Gilgalad has kind of got, he's I think he's reliably killing stuff, but I don't think he's he's certainly not got the um, the sort of troop munching potential that Elendil has and I kind of want Elendil troop munching so um, that was some of my logic um, I, I'm sure uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll realise that, that that was slightly flawed um, and you're probably even just explaining it now I, 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 I know it was flawed but anyway that's what I decided so the leader is Gil Galad uh, with a horse and a shield we've got two Rivendell knights in his warband with shields um, and we've got I think it was with shields I haven't written them down uh, I assume they were with shield but maybe they're not uh, so apologies if you're to- totaling this up in your head and I'm two points over I haven't written the shields but I assume they had them uh, 11 Kingsguard with spear and shield so a uh, Kingsguard of course fight six very good spear and shield you can only get them in Gil Galad's war uh, band so I thought well screw it let's lean into it uh, then we've got four elven bows so uh, in total quite a lot of elves this is a big big warband of elves um, pretty much full I think it's 17 models in that warband out of the possible 18 for Gilgalad's Hero of Legend so that's that's pretty solid start then we've got Elendil with horse and shield we've got seven Numenor with shield seven Numenor with spear and shield a one Numenor with banner spear and shield and three Numenorean warriors with bow so not a huge uh, number of warbands because that's it we've got two but obviously the sort of part of me thought am i going to have enough heroes is there enough might but of course elendil has the free heroic combats gilgalad has the blood and glory um and those two are going to absolutely slurp might out of uh, most heroes you know you're not that worried about most heroes striking up against them uh, gilgalad's fight nine anyway so he's kind of relaxed about that sort of stuff and and they're both defense eight, so they're going to take a couple of hits before uh, before you know you need to be doing worrying about it. And also that that free heroic combat in the fight seven, you can just threaten and take the take the might. Um, go, I'm going to charge into two guys here, call heroic combat, threaten your guy. They're going to strike, uh, and then I just go into some more troops with uh, Elendil and just munch, and they've wasted the might point. That's that's the strategy. Elendil works because of that. The high fight value and the free heroic combat is just sick. I love it. Um, so that was all my logic. We've got a cool army list, um, and it's going to be a cool tournament, hopefully. Um, in fact, I know it's going to be a cool tournament because I've been already. Um, uh, often is the case. Uh, I, I, I've, I'm recording these bits afterwards, but, you know, hey, the it, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing some of this again because it's been so many months since this tournament, and, and there's some really cool people that I spoke to uh, uh, over the course of this tournament and the winner. So we'll find out all that later, but first... Riddles in the Dark... That's right, it's time for Riddles in the Dark, the time of the podcast where I play a clip from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies and you tell me who speaks next and what they say. This was the clip last time. Okay, and this is one that's been running for uh, a few episodes now and that's largely because I wanted to give plenty of time 
to catch up on the uh, the SBG Magazine prize draw. Very exciting. Uh, Tom and Damien uh, of SBG Magazine fame gave me one of these magazines in August at Articon. It's taken me ages to do the podcast surrounding Articon um, and then actually uh, sort of process the, the prize and, and get it all sorted and give you a chance to enter. So it's now November and we're finally giving away this prize and it's very exciting because we've got lots and lots of entries. Clearly lots of people very excited for um, this uh, this this magazine, um, which is really cool, it's a Helm's Deep themed magazine uh, or, with an enormous battle report in it. Um, there's some great hobby stuff in there, some really great sort of memories and uh, tactics and all that sort of stuff. Really, really fantastic. So, um, if you um, uh, if you don't win the prize, which uh, obviously most of you won't, sadly. Um, at least you have the chance to buy this SPG magazine. It is really, really good value. I know it's been out for a while, so many of you will have already got it. But uh, glad to be giving one away anyway. And I know um, Tom and Damien are very, very kindly supporting the podcast by uh, providing a, a magazine to, to sort of get it. So uh, it is well worth uh, well worth doing. So um, anyway, let's 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 we let's just have a run through of of some of the people. In fact, no, let's just reveal the answer. This was the uh, riddles clip and the answer of course who did speak next after that clip we just heard here we go let's find out oh come on we can take them it's a long way of course it was gimmers it was gimly just about it so this is if you can't place it in the scene i'm sure you can now but um this was just at the sort of um that little side thing where they they sort of crawl out the ent- entrance of helms deep and then uh gimli gets thrown into the the causeway at helms deep um and of course he was thinking come on we can take him um but it's a long way so uh, that was the pr- that was the answer and many of you uh, got that right loads and loads of people getting in touch um i'm not going to read out everyone's email in full because it just takes ages and um uh, but i think i've touched on most of the stuff already in previous episodes but just a quick summary of who got it right uh, we've got chuck sadler uh, who was a first time emailer Dan Marshall, who fangirled a bit at uh, Dice and Men. That was his words, not mine. Uh, James Fotherby, who thought it could be connected to Gundabad before twigging the connection to the magazine. Sean Spruill, he says the uh, the snarling in the background is the Uruks. Uh, yes, that is right. That's one of the clues. Uh, Zach Sherlock, who says he's a massive fan of the podcast. He's also got it right. Uh, Axes of the Dwarves. Yeah, that's the email address. I'm not sure who this is, but uh, Axe of the Dwarves, you got it right, you're in the draw. John O, uh, John o. W liked uh, hearing about the Hunter Orcs um, and Gundabad Orcs um, uh, in that episode where we started talking about the Pits of Dol Gulder. Now it seems to be the meta, uh, but hopefully, John O, we may, we may return to it. I've certainly got more Gundabad spears to paint, so maybe, maybe we'll do more on it. But now it's the meta pick. I feel a bit dirty doing it, so who knows. Uh, Alex Anglin, um, he's also in the draw um alex says what a scene thank you so much for this tough one i was initially convinced it was part of the kirith ungal uh, moments no it isn't but you got it right in the end well done uh, nathan henderson said love the podcast keep them coming he's in the prize draw got it right cory cunningham uh, who says they're mostly hobbying and um 
playing friendly games at the moment after just getting back into the system um, but says thank you or says he loves the pod uh, thanks for uh, says it's things like this that keep communities running well you're most welcome Corey thank you very much for saying so uh, Andy Munt a patron supporter um, a patron supporter who I believe is due to get their stuff their sort of bits and bobs we get free dice and widgets and notepads and all this sort of gubbins if you're a patron supporter after a, uh, for a certain length of time um, also Andy asks after whether I'm living in married bliss I certainly am uh, I've got my one ring on and it's still feels a bit uncomfortable uh, even three months down the line but maybe I'll get used to it I hope I get used to it because it's there forever now so um, but thanks for asking Andy um, we've got Sean Cratton who says uh, or Creighton who says hello there firstly congrats on your last tournament finish great to see uh, after listening to you from the beginning wow nice I love odd lists as I don't uh, as I run a lot of beasts heavy lists uh, beast heavy lists uh, like wargs spiders drakes etc uh, I love when a list that doesn't seem like it should do well does great also for the Riddles and Dark I believe the next words from Gimli and I believe it is oh come on we can take them have a great day Boorah run that was from sean uh, i think i read that in full because uh, we hadn't heard from him yet he was in the uh, after my uh, siege bow wins so thanks very much for that um james sanderson in new zealand um has kindly offered me somewhere to stay if uh, louise and i visit louise being my wife um lovely kind offer james thank you so much uh, also in the draw um for this magazine um hopefully it doesn't go to you because then i don't have to <laughs> send it all the way to new zealand i'm joking i'll send it anywhere uh, to anyone uh, happy to do so uh, carl tinsley also in the list um obviously it's that moment after aragorn spends a might point to do a heroic toss off oh no sorry just a heroic toss excuse me uh, to get Gimli into the battle uh, very nice Carl thank you very much you're in the draw and uh, Alec James uh, final person in the draw so sorry for taking so long to write my first email I've been thoroughly enjoying your podcast and have spent the last few months listening all the way up from episode one and have now caught up wow Alec that is a lot that's 79 podcasts uh, 80 including the last uh, one if you got that in time this will be 81 so uh thank you so much for doing that um i wondered who was that who who, who was giving you at me all these plays no i have no idea um but yeah uh, that's that's brilliant it's lovely to hear it alec i'm glad to have provided some content uh for your painting needs or driving needs or whatever it is you're listening to me on so thanks very much uh alec continues by saying i have loved hearing the progress you've made over your tournaments and have recently got back into the hobby uh initially alec guessed osgiliath um, but then eventually did get it right and went with Gimli at Helm's Deep. Um, so brilliant, brilliant to hear all, from all of those uh, star uh, star emailers who have got in touch on entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com is the address if you want to send messages in. We'll do some questions that need answering first. Um, but I've got to do a prize draw. Uh, so I have a random number generator. <clears throat> so I've assigned everyone we've just heard who was in, the, uh, uh, who was in with the chance of getting the magazine. I've assigned them a number, and I'm going to randomly generate one on my phone um, uh, in front of me. It's not all that exciting. Uh, I don't have a fancy sound, so I'm going to do the sound myself. It goes like this. Oh, I need to put the number in. Hold on. Okay, done it. <clears throat> right, here's the... So, randomly assigning a, a number to... Pressing generate number. <laughs> There we go. That was my number generator. And it landed on number 12, which was 
uh, working back 15 14 13 12 it is sean cratton or creighton uh congratulations uh he was the guy who said well done on uh, the uh, t- last tournament finish uh, who loves odd lists as well sean creighton cratton um let me know how to pronounce your name and email in entmootpodcast at gmail.com as soon as you hear this um which is very exciting and i will uh, acquire an address from you and um send you that magazine as soon as possible now uh, i'm not going to do another riddle in the dark this episode but but and this is a big but i'm going to do more prizes soon um i'm i'm going to work out where doing it but um i want to do give you stuff maybe entmoot themed stuff in the future so what i'm going to do uh, patrons will still get exclusive patron content but i'm going to do something um and maybe make some dice that um we can give away in future for um sort of prize winners that are slightly different to the patron dice so we know the difference maybe they're white with green pips or something like that on uh, rather than the green with white pips on that i have for my patrons so um very excited to do this i think it's a, a thing um I'd, I'd like i like to give you gu- you guys who listen stuff and it gives me a good reason for you to get in touch other than just uh, uh answering the questions so um please please uh, if you like the idea, get in touch. Um, hopefully, the next podcast I'll have a riddle in the dark. But in the meantime, we do have some questions. Questions that need answering. I, I think a couple of bits and bobs that I've uh, I've been talking to you about over the last few episodes have been um, draws at Ardicon, uh, whether it's okay to uh, draw in a competitive game in order to try and get to the final. Um, I know the uh, Gollum's Gamers podcast on YouTube, and I think it's also on Spotify, uh, have got an interview with Dave Farmer and uh, Jake Rawson, um, where they talk about draws and all that sort of stuff. Um, Dave Farmer and Jake Rawson are in a duel to the top uh, really really good idea from the Gollum's Gamers I wish I'd thought of it uh, to get both those guys onto the podcast and just have a have a chat ahead of the GBHL finale where one of them is likely to be the winner currently Jake's in the lead uh, but there are people chasing their tail so uh, we'll see we'll see um, but either way that's one of the topics the draws to get to the top hear more about that in Gollum's Games podcast um, and also I was talking about this list that someone sent me um, I can't remember exactly who I think it was Todd um, who sent me an email about his um, Bolg and Goblin and Azog are they OP kind of thing basically he's, uh, he was getting some stick from his uh, his mates in the uh, sort of local tournament scene and, and I suggested that I don't think Bolg and Azog are overpowered and I do kind of think that it's all down to skill. Maybe Todd's just really good and other people he's playing are really rubbish. Um, but I did sort of have some ideas for lists that might beat the uh, goblin list. Um, let me just remind you of said goblin list. So I think the initial one was uh, something along the lines of... It was uh, Goblin King, Bolg on Wild, Goblin Captain, three Felwags and 23 Goblins at 400... And 58 points. Why it was 458 points that tournament, I don't know, but that was what it was. So anyway, um, let's let's just have a quick uh, listen to some of the comments or read some of the comments uh, that uh, people have sent in about it. So let me just read Rosalie Rosalie Vanderbroek 
Cool, I like that name. Uh, Rosie Wargaming on the socials, Rosalie says. Uh, Hi, Harry. Second time joining in on the discussion on your podcast. Last time I mentioned only playing Cavalry for this year as my next list decision to further improve my skills as a gamer. Little update on that. I've been loving the Rivendell Knights so much I decided I will keep to the rule for next year as well and specialise in becoming a Cavalry expert with a Canned and Fiefdom's army already on the way. I love the Canned um, or Cav army. I think you will too. Thiefdom's army looks glorious, uh, but it, it can come unstuck quite easily. Um, either way, that's cool. But in that spirit, uh, Rosalie says, I think I might have just the list to beat the bold Goblin Town combo. It's Elrond with armor on horse, nine Rivendell Knights with shields, one Rivendell Knight with banner and shield, and one High Elf with warrior. Eleven shots a turn will mince through the goblins and Bolgzwag while outpacing them as well. Elven made weapons will make short work of the Goblin King, and twelve models mean you'll have just enough, that's three, to bring yourself to 25% when needed to take scenario VPs. Thanks again for making your lovely podcast and keep up the good work. Kind regards. Rosalie, shout out to Rosie Wargaming on the socials. In fact, I'll, I'll see if I can... If I remember once I finish the podcast, just follow you, I will. Um, thanks very much, Rosie, uh, there. Then uh, Todd. Uh, I, in fact, Todd got back in touch after uh, the uh, the conversation, so let's just quickly drop in um, uh, drop into his, his thoughts as well. Uh, Todd says, uh, buh, 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 buh. Hi, Thanks for showing so much interest in my question. A few details about the tournament that could have influenced the challenge you put forth. It was a good versus evil tournament. Mm, interesting, I didn't know that. War beasts and siege engines were banned, at, I guess, at 458. You're probably not going to get much in there anyway. Um, Tom Bombadil and Goldberry banned. Um, scenarios were customised versions of scenarios from the match play guide, themed specifically for the event. I think I'd said... Um, Maybe how maybe elves would would be make light work of it with Helder and Rumel or something like that. Uh, but Todd says I won against two Lothlorien lists, both led by Helder. Interesting. Uh, I also lost to Helm Hammerhand's legendary legion. He says and had a draw with a rather large Shire legendary legion led by Merion Pony with all the trap shenanigans. Interesting. Sticking with the Hobbit theme for my list to beat Bolg and Goblin King at 458 points was Survivors of Late Town uh, Gandalf on with uh, horse uh, three Late Town militia with bow. Uh, four late town militia with shield, Bard the Bowman, Alfred the Counselor, uh, late town militia with shield and um, spear and bow. So there's another nine late towners there. So for 458 points, you get quite a lot of models. He thought pattern for this list would be Gandalf can mobilize Bolg and or Sorceress blast him off the warg. Gandalf has an elven made blade and can strike, making him a good counter to the Goblin King. After all, in the movies, he does kill him, doesn't he? Uh, Gandalf can task cast terrifying aura to limit Goblin charges against himself. Alfred potentially uh, uh, provides additional might to Bard, countering Bolg's potential of might replenishment, and the base troops outfight the base goblins due to Bard's savior of the Lake Town special rule, and they have higher defense. Seven bows give some shooting to take out Bolg's mount and chip down on the goblins, I assume, as well. Uh, a little light on the numbers, but I like the challenge, he says. Honorable mentions for beating this list would be Rohan, Rangers of the Thillian, and on the evil, th- evil side, Angmar with their Barrow Whites. Elves and Dwarves have not fared well against Bolg, with the Ancient Enemies rule coming into play more often than I expected. Thanks again, Harry. Great, uh, keep producing great content. Some really good stuff there, Todd. Uh, really interesting. I still don't think I'm surprised. Uh, I haven't had loads of emails about this one. Uh, I'll be honest, but um, I, I'm I'm really interested to see if people do think Azog and Bolg are OP. Um, I don't think they are, but then again, I've just been running keeper the the the, the pits of Dolgulder. So so what do I know? Uh, okay, and then there's some other stuff. Uh, we've got Dean Rogers getting in touch about draws. He says, thought I'd add my tuppence worth on the issue of draws. You may recall I recently returned to MESBG after a couple of decades playing 40k and fancy battles. I have also been a long-time TO, tournament organiser. That said, 
I hate draws. They muddy the Swiss pairings and lead to the eyebrow raising you described at Ardicon. My gaming philosophy is one should always play for the win. Tournament rules that don't promote this lead to shenanigans such as agreeing not to play. What should happen in my honest opinion in my opinion, sorry, is anything other than a win should count as a loss. This would ensure players do their best to capture victory every game. That's my tuppence. What do you think? Thanks for all you do. Um I think the only problem with that is um, genuine games that do result in a draw, a, a draw are punished, and I think a draw is good sometimes. So I've played plenty of games where I've sort of essentially tried my damnedest, and I know the other opponent has done this, done the same as well, and and we've ended in either not not necessarily often a nil nil draw, but you I mean it is possible because um, you know you can just grind away if you've got two massive high defense armies. You say you've got fifty dwarves against. Well, you could you could easily be joining against another fifty dwarves, and you just grind and grind and grind, and nobody dies. Uh, or you know, say fifty dwarves against a goblin town army or something like that, and it just takes ages. Then um, you could potentially have a nil-nil draw. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so I don't think you should punish um, draw draws. Um, so, but most tournaments do give less points for a draw. So if you're playing for a draw all the time, you are going to be sort of you know. Not you, you're basically going to uh, be punished, aren't you? Um, and I know the the situation at Ardicon essentially was that that the uh, Jake had done so well and Jasmine had done so well at Ardicon that even with a draw, nobody could catch them. Um, or I think a couple of people could if they'd got a twelve nil win on the top tables or something like that, um, which is I suppose unlikely. But basically. That the situation is that they were so good, they'd done such a cracking job, and that nobody could catch up with them. That that draw meant that it's that, so. That's kind of, I think it would be if you said a draw counts as a loss in that situation, that would be punishing people for not winning. So uh, I think that that would be wrong in that situation. But it's it's an interesting idea. Um, um, but you know, as you say, you say this would ensure players do their best to capture victory every game. Um. It also would punish people who do their best to uh, capture victory every game and don't quite make it because, you know, Fog of War or something like that or uh, Storm the Camp notoriously end in draws because they can just be quite easy to, to do all, uh, capture all of those, um, those uh, targets and all that sort of stuff uh, and then still not pip the post. So, interesting thought, Dean. Thanks very much for getting in touch. I wonder what other people think about that. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you want to continue the conversation. Um, now, final one. Um, this is a, a, a lovely, lovely message from Andrew Cuthbert. Um, Andrew is a long-time listener and patron um, here and basically says, just a quick cheers for the podcast content. I'm currently off work with stress and currently working through hobby projects while staying motivated with the help, help of some Entmoot ear food. I wonder how many of us hobbyists use our hobby time to help our mental health. Uh, some people like going to the gym or going for walks to keep good mental health. I like painting and basing 35 Angmar Orcs. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Andrew. Andrew, um, I, look, I, first of all, um, I'm sorry you're, here, you're going through uh, a tricky time. Um, I just off work with stress. I, 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 I can sympathise, definitely, um, but it's never never easy if you're, you're, you're in a sticky situation and, and you need to take take some time off just to rest, but that's the right thing to do, isn't it, sometimes, just to... Uh, decompressed rest and you know look after yourself um so i'm sorry to hear you're you're going through that but i'm I'm glad you're doing something about it which is which is a good start um and and i think you're right hobby hobby is a great thing for our mental health i know i have a relatively stressful day job um and coming home and uh painting and uh, building things and you know doing this uh this podcast talking to you guys is um is a really nice outlet it sort of helps my brain switch off 
and helps me kind of you know decompress and, and all that sort of stuff so i think i think you're right i think it's probably a quite a high percentage but i'm interested um you know at this time in, in the year in particular where you know it's getting wintry the weather's awful um i know that's probably different for you guys in the uh, uh the, the other continents the uh, uh the other hemisphere hemisphere is the word i'm looking for um it's getting sunny now but for for us in the old uk and and you know the the northern hemisphere it's uh it can be it can be a bit grim going into the winter can't it especially with the nights drawing in and all that sort of stuff um so i i, I definitely like hobby at this time of year it, it really gives me some sort of focus and and sort of yeah just a, i guess what would they call it mindfulness and all that i hate the word mindfulness it sounds so wanky but um i really like the the, the concept is true i like painting and and finishing something and, and knowing it's completed and the satisfaction that I've got from that. So um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think you're right. And it's and it's I really appreciate you getting in touch and saying that because sometimes um, we don't say that sort of stuff enough. So it's worth uh, putting a pin in it and holding it up there and saying, you know what, this is good for us uh, and mental health. You know, we can argue the toss about uh, games and uh, being stressful or or intense or you know getting frustrated by losing or whatever it is that uh, that happens at tournaments but obviously the happiness of spending time with uh, with people that that share our passions and um, and all the other hobby elements are they are very much very good for us so um yeah i think that's nice of you to flag up andrew thank you so much for for getting in touch with Entmoot podcast um and i guess that's a nice thing to leave it on so um in terms of uh questions that need answering i don't have any particular ones at the moment um for for the future but i know i've got a podcast very very soon so um i'm trying to turn this one around quite quickly in order to uh in order to bash out the next podcast so um at least you don't have to wait but congratulations um on winning the uh, uh winning the sbg magazine um to uh excuse me <clears throat> uh the sbg magazine to uh sean uh so thank you very much do get in touch and podcast at gmail.com and we'll start some new questions that need answering and some new riddles in the dark next time but first we've heard the army building um we've heard that i'm going to take gil galad and ellendil of the last alliance fame it's a pretty solid last alliance list it's pretty traditional nothing much that's janky about it how will it fare at one of the more competitive events early on in the year <laughs> april um we're going back to so let's go through the time warp to the gates of gondolin I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! Game one of the... Game one of the Gates of Gondolin and we're playing Contest of Champions. So... What a, what a reveal that was uh, uh, late or uh, early on in the week. Contest of Champions, first round. I'm thinking I'm sitting pretty. I've got Ellendale, I've got Gil Galad. But what am I up against in the first game? Uh, we've got Ryan Gregory to play against. Uh, we played a couple of times before on the podcast. You've made some appearances as well. Um, first of all, Ryan, uh, what have you bought? Usually you're a Rohan man, but you've, you've moved on to something else? Uh, yeah, so in the last couple of years, I've started using Mordor a lot more. So the list I've got is uh, Witch King on Horse uh, as the leader. Then I've got Sullivan and Four Serpent Riders. 
Musgate, Zagdush, and then 10 Black Numenorians, and then as many Moranans as I can fit in. Yeah, so it's, it's 47 models, so you've got a lot more models than me, about 10 more, uh, or exactly 10 more. Um, so Contest of Champions, what did you think when you saw, you know, you'd be up against Gil-Galad and, and this kind of very elite army for Contest of Champions? Uh, yeah, it, it, it was definitely interesting. I was, I was thinking if it was Elendil as your leader, mm. I, w- I think I might have just conceded before we started. Um, fortified spirit and all that, and my Witch King won't be able to do anything against you. Uh, but it, as it were, Gilgalad, um, I thought I'd have a chance, but it was all going to be down to my magic yeah. and whether I actually got the cast off. Um, so throughout the game, I think Musgill let himself down a little bit, but all Witch King's cast went off. Everything that wanted to go off were above average so yeah. yeah pretty happy with him yeah I, I, I think I didn't really consider this when I was deciding who was going to be the leader I, I made the decision for Gil Galad based on you know he's got the re-roll in the fight he's the natively higher fight value so he's probably a little bit more tanky he's able to survive in the end game a little bit longer than other people I completely forgot stupidly completely forgot about magic because uh, and, and in this first game I think I, I've already realised that I made a bit of a boo-boo with that based on the contest of champions but I mean contest I still rate, you know, have a good chance of getting some, some serious killage in the first couple of turns. Uh, but we deploy uh, on, a, on a line. I, my intention was to block myself between two blocks of terrain so that you're, you couldn't really get to the advantage of numbers wrapping around me or it might take a few turns to send cavalry around the sides. But uh, sadly, I won the first two priorities. So I was kind of like left in this position where do I just let you charge my cavalry heroes and uh, transfix them and all that sort of stuff or do I just get stuck in and have to try and support them so that's what I decided to do maybe that was a bad idea but uh, the first thing that happened pretty much the, well the second thing that happened in the game was uh, Gilgalad rolled a 2 and a 1 on his courage check to charge the Black Numenorean front line uh, minus 1 courage so uh, I had to decide whether to spend might or will to, to support uh, to get him into combat basically in that first turn with so much magic around I, I decided not to do that do you think that was the right decision first of all before we get into what happened after that um you never know because I could have. I don't know what my transfix would have done the next turn, but it definitely made it easier for me because mm. I had a free turn of Sapwill. Yeah. Rather than if you're in combat, I'd have probably gone for a um, black dot on the horse, yeah. which then harder to cast. I need to wound and all that sort of stuff. So, may, I definitely wouldn't have spent will, um, but you needed them out near the end of the game. Mm. So, it, it's stuck between a rock and a hard place. I probably say it was the right choice because mm. I had so much more might than you anyway. Yeah. Um, having one less before the game even really started would have been a real detriment. Yeah, that's what I thought. And, and because you were, you'd kind of quite coyly hidden your heroes behind the main line uh, and just uh, you were relying essentially on the magic, I was, I was thinking, oh, if I get into one of the heroes, you know, Zagdush or, or Soladan probably, or maybe Musker, um, then I might be able to get some might back. And, and because I've got Blood and Glory and the Contest of Champions rules, meant that I could get loads of might back but I saw that they were so far behind the line that I didn't think I'd ever get there if I'm honest if I was kept being transfixed so that first turn I thought right I'll just I'll let you do whatever you do with your magic and and see what happens Uh, and you did cast a, a sap will uh, and I think you got it on quite a no, you, no, you, yeah, you, you, you got a quite a decent roll, and and I I was umming and ahhing over whether to whether to resist this, and I decided not to resist it in the end because of this sort of sunk cost fallacy or whatever it is uh, that you know if I spend one will, uh, I'm guaranteeing. If I don't get it, I'm guaranteeing. I think you got a six. Sorry, no, that, yeah, you did. Yeah, I yeah. got a six on the cast, but then I got a four on the D three. Yes, yes, that's right. Right. So, so the I, I thought, well, if I need to get a six, so I, I'm either putting three dice into it, which I think odds on I don't get anyway. I don't get the six, and certainly don't keep any wills. So that would that's a pointless idea. But if I spend one, I'm if I don't get the six, which one in six times I don't get, 
I'm also losing two wheels. So I thought, well, I'll bet I'll. I'll bank my chances and hope that you just roll a one or maybe a two on your sap wheel, which, which as you said, uh, yeah. you did. So then I was down to one wheel uh, after that, which, which did make life hard for Gilgalad. He did manage to get one uh, turn of fighting uh, early on, and then he got another one later on once I tied down the, uh, uh, some of the magic casters. But it did mean that Contest of Champions, uh, with, despite having a fight nine uh, plus one to wound uh, a beat stick, I only got two kills in the whole game with Gilgalad, which was devastating news. Um, but uh, you also did some cool stuff with Musger, so he's got uh, some yeah. great magic as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I think he cast three times in the game because I positioned him quite poorly, so he got tagged a few times. Um, but he cast um, a transfix, which unfortunately didn't go off. Uh, but he did a one dice wither in the first turn because um, you only had uh, one will left. You had to kind of force your hand to see whether you were going to use it to resist it or go down to strength three. Um, and I think he did the right choice and went down to strength three. But that just meant <clears throat> because of the ratios of up my D6 army, um, he needed fives to wound everyone rather than fours. Mm. Um, so just made it even that little bit harder yeah. for you to get any kills. Which, which is a really, really great move. And if you'd, I reckon if you'd had another, another chance at some point when the Witch King had already transfixed him, you probably would have done it again because yeah. Elendil's so, so difficult to, yeah. to cast anything on. There's just not much point. So, but that, that was a great move. But I think from then on, it was largely just down to how the battle lines yeah. survived because Elendil was absolutely chopping. Like, I, he, did, he went through a bit of might, but he did kill probably probably half, half 11, the guys who are dead. Yeah, 11 kills, I think, out of the 22. Yeah, so disappointing that he wasn't the leader. But anyway, uh, so it, it was largely down to that. Gilgalad did the odd, odd thing, but largely it was down to whether I could um, anchor the, the position in the terrain and actually win the, uh, uh, win the fights, which I think because I'd done that initial move forward, it just gave you a little bit of a gap to sneak in through the, the, the back uh, eventually and, and start wrapping around and, take, and getting your numbers advantage, which I think probably lost me the, the fights in the end. Uh, yeah, yeah, it were it were it were about fifty fifty up until your right hand side started collapsing a bit because I had my cavalry charging in and making big gaps. Um, and as soon as that done, Sullivan could then call a combat and go straight round and start wrapping and taking away your king's guards away from my witch king. Yeah, exactly. And and once that was happening, I could see that it was game over. There were a couple of opportunities to be able to do some janky stuff. So in the, I think it was either, it was the very last turn. Um, I, I won the, the roll-off for, for heroic moves with Gilgalad's final point of might. And uh, he, he could tag some stuff down, tag the Witch King down and all that sort of stuff. And there was a gap. So Elendil came around all the way around the side once I'd uh, got into... Uh, uh, some a Moranon basically with Gilgalad and a Mar- uh, and Elendil. The hope was to heroic combat Gilgalad directly into the Witch King after killing that one Moranon. Um, and it was an outside chance. Don't get me wrong, but uh, the Witch King had no might left, uh, so he couldn't strike up. So I had had the fight value against the Witch King, or would have done if I got there. But uh, and and I think I'd, I'd done really well to plan that move out. But sadly, you just had so many more models at this point that there was there was one guy that could charge Elendil from the back uh, just to wrap him off, which which was I, I didn't I I said I didn't really check it, but I don't think I could have stopped it anyway. But like eyeballing it, I thought he probably was out, but um, we did measure it properly and he and he was in, which which basically it gave it gave you the chance to win the game or cement it down in the end, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, because that, that just meant instead of. You, you never know if Gilgalad would have killed the Witch King or not, but let's assume he wouldn't have. It just meant that Gilgalad would be going into the Witch King, fighting him on his own. Hmm. You're fight nine, I'm fight five. Yeah. I've got no might to strike. And at the very least, you'd have just held me off yeah. and stopped me from getting that double double yeah. your kills. Yeah, because at this point, you were on three kills, I was on two. Um, and if Gilgalad had killed that Moranon, uh, it would have pushed me up to three and you on three. And then I might 
I might have killed uh, the Witch King, which would have won me the game. But I was broken. You weren't broken. So uh, so it was all came down to whether I did kill the Witch King in one go. Which, let's be honest, I'm strength three. Uh, I'm looking for fives by threes. You've got three points of fate, but it's probably not going to happen. But it's not impossible. No, no. Um, it, it was really close game. Going going into the last turn, because I knew I only needed to kill two to end the game. I knew I, it was it was mine to lose it because yeah. I, I was ahead, but yeah. it, I, I didn't see the. Um, I, I just couldn't stop Allendale. Yeah, just couldn't stop him all game. All I was doing was throwing bodies into him and then putting space sports behind to kind of hold him in. Yeah, um, but cast no magic at him all game. Didn't do any wounds to him all game. Didn't even win a fight against him all game. Just, yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. He's just unstoppable, and he was he was killing reliably uh, three or four, if not uh, maybe five on one the odd turn um, each turn. But as you say, you, you just you just blocked him off. You had the bodies to block him off, and you succeeded in doing that. If if there was a chance at any point to get him into uh, any of the big heroes, I I, I tried, but I, there was a, a chance to get Musker at one point uh, almost. But uh, I think it was just just bodies really so I just needed to clear out the trash before I could actually get there and it just took too long because my Numenorians and, uh, and elves were starting to lose because I'd conceded the position essentially so uh, a cracking game ended up in uh, a 7-0 loss to me in contest which disappointing because you know I'll head right down to the, uh, the, the the bottom tables and stuff and there are going to be some objective scenarios where I've got the 37 models or something like that but Ryan you played an absolute blinder and it was it was nice to have a game where despite some bad luck uh, on both sides it was it felt really balanced and it felt a really really tough contest so uh, uh, congratulations and best of luck for the rest of the tournament yeah you too Harry thanks for that game number two here at the gates of Gondolin and it is seize the prize uh, playing up against Alex White and um, uh, remind me I know we've talked at tournaments before and you've certainly come to my tournament have yeah. we played before I'm, no, so bad game, at, yeah. I'm so bad at remembering these things so Alex uh, Alex first of all uh, just give us an idea of uh, what you've got in your army list and, and I guess what you thought about this game seize the prize can be a swingy one what have you got so it's um, Rider the Theoden, mm-hmm. so it's all the heroes, 12 Royal Guard and one regular rider to run out the points. So that's kind of the, the list, really. Yeah. And in terms of, sorry, it sees the prize, it's, it's a tough one, because you know, you've got to get a horse to dig up the, to get the prize or get the objective, and that's not what you want to be doing with this list, really. So it's kind of a, hopefully you bait out, sort of, I was planning to, to you pick up the prize and I can kill the guy, and that obviously didn't work, unfortunately, mm. but yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you, you, you got into it straight away. I mean, to, it's totally true. I mean, I think... I think what so I, I ran forward with Elendil and a Rivendell Knight, and I kept Gilgalad a little bit behind because I didn't really want him to be right at the front taking loads of uh, uh, throwing spears because everything in your army's got a throwing spear uh, apart from one rider of Rohan, I believe. Um, so and, and Thayer and whatever, but. Um, so I, I went forward, and then there was a move that we could have done a move off because I'd gotten close enough for the objective, not but I, was, I, d- I decided to be far away enough that I couldn't be th- had spears thrown at me in the first turn. Um, and I called her. I, I, I think you won priority, and I yes. called a move, Correct. but you yeah. didn't counter. No, I didn't. No. So I, I was saying I was hoping that you would pick up the relic and I could go and kill the lone elf on his own. Yeah. Because you wouldn't you wouldn't get a massive support with him for that mm-hmm. one turn. And obviously, you know, AMR bounced off an elf like three turns in a row or something yeah, like that. I just yeah. couldn't get the kill. I think uh, it, yeah. it was tricky because uh, I think I got uh, the Rivendell Knight came down and then the I, I got the one spear in support with him. So I had a fight six support and I don't think he struck in that first no, turn, which yeah. maybe would have been worth doing. Um, but I guess you don't, you've got four dice. I've got one dice, oh, two dice. I didn't have the banner there because it had, it was sort of, the deployment was a bit shonky. I don't think I've deployed very well, but it just meant that I had the objective for those first couple of turns and Eventually, once I won the priority in the roll-offs and all that, I could just pull him back. And then it was like Ellen Dill and the Gilgalad show, really, wasn't it? That, I mean, yeah. there were some tough turns where you churned through. I mean, I think it was early on. You churned through about 
10 or something like that in a couple of turns and I, did, I didn't win any of the, the moves offs very early on but then it completely swung back the opposite way and once that I'd start winning the moves offs I could A, I could pick my fights B, I, could, I didn't get the, have the uh, you didn't have the charge bonuses so you didn't have the fight 5 I had fight 6 so it was just it just kind of spiraled and because of the, uh, the like the, sort of the one turn where you didn't uh, have the priority you didn't get the charge you lost enough that it, it meant I could plug the gaps and, and start, start sort of tipping things in my favour. Almost certainly, yeah. I mean, I think by turn four, I was on two dead, mm. and you were on about ten, roughly, yeah. or so, and then sort of losing the moves off and losing those priorities, and it, well, winning the priority, but losing the move off, and it just, yeah, just not winning fights where you needed to win fights and things like that, yeah. and it just spiralled out of there, really. The dice can do it, they've got they really. Yeah, it and, and I, think, I think also, uh, I think you mistakenly thought, because um, we didn't know the details of the death special rule, I, I knew that I knew what, it ha- what happens, I didn't know when you call it, and you'd said early on, oh, Thedon needs to be in combat for it, uh, and I just sort of took your word on it, I, uh, your, it's your army, so I, uh, but then we realised when we were looking at the rules, because we weren't sure whether um, Mary and uh, Eowyn, who were at this point unseated, I'd, I'd queried, oh, can you, can you do the, the death stuff if you're not on horse? Uh, and then we realised actually Theoden didn't need to be in combat and nor do you anyone needs to be on a horse so actually it, it, I think if you probably could have called it earlier when you had a few more heroes and horses almost certainly yeah I think calling it then would have been really nice to be fair yeah. but then Eowyn did do two wounds on a guard in that so yeah. you know well, yeah. a wound in the fate yeah. a wound in the fate yeah sorry but yeah so it's you know one of them but yeah that was died. ridiculous by the way let's just clarify this because Mary and Pippin were fighting uh, sorry uh, Mary and Eowyn were fighting Gil Galad Gil Galad had uh, lost his horse earlier on but I mean I, I had a spear support, so I had the, all the dice. So I, but anyway, you, you got the, the fight 10. I didn't bother striking because uh, you needed the 6 to get the strike. But that's fine. Uh, I was thinking, I had defense 8. Eowyn's uh, uh, what, strength 3, something stupid like that. So you needed 6s by 4s. And then you, with Mary and uh, uh, her, and you proceed to roll 3 6s in a row. And it's like, fuck, what happened here? And then uh, Gilgal takes a wound in the fate. So that was annoying. But having said that, he absolutely wreaks his vengeance. I mean, from then on out, it was, it was Gilgal chopping a hero up a turn and getting the mic back for it. Almost certainly, yeah. yeah. I mean, he killed Mary and Eowyn in the same turn, didn't he, yeah, with yeah. the combat, so yeah. Yeah, with it the combat. Was... And then uh, Elendil had been chopping through uh, Deowine, and then they both tag-teamed. Eow- uh, they both eventually got into Aemir and Theoden. Uh, the, the nice elendil heroic combat proving its worth there, because I got a surround on Aemir, heroic combated with Gilgalad and Elendil in that combat into Theoden. Uh, it, it, they, were, they had no chance. Once, once the gaps had all been kind of unplugged... Yeah. It, there was there was no chance for you really. Yeah, once the line sort of fell apart, it was it was uh, an uphill battle to get yeah. anything out of it really. Yeah, and you were spending yeah. a lot of might. Well, you had to spend a lot of might just to win fights, just to just to kind of kill the odd dude here and there because you're thinking, well, I've got I've got to get some of these fight six dudes down, and I've you know I've just got enough for it to be pretty pretty hard for you to get through them all. But you know, when you fight five guys, when you're spending a point of might to kill a guy every turn or even strike up against them, you're spending a lot of your might. And even though you've got, I don't know how much might, it must have been. 15, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18 might. And, um, Gambling's Banner. 18 so. and Gambling's Banner. So you're spending all that, but I did manage to drain every single drop of your might. And Gil Gallard still... And in fact, I didn't write it down, but he's got an, an extra one at the end of the turn, so he's still on three might is, at yeah. the end of the thing because he chopped up so many of those heroes. So uh, absolutely brutal game. I, I ended up winning 12-1. But we, we were saying, you know, if, if you'd have 
you know, even, it's little things like if you'd have Herrick struck with Amir at the start against that one guy, you'd have the objective. You'd be running off with Amir around, and I'd no way of catching you because you'd, you'd, by this point you'd already thrown ho- thrown spears at my horses. And little, and you know, at the priorities going a, going your way a couple of times, a couple of extra charges would have meant I wouldn't have had anywhere near as many dudes to fill those gaps. So, uh, Alex, it, you, you played it perfectly. Just you know, I think the dice didn't really well, maybe not perfectly, but you know, you played it very well, uh, and you didn't. Um, uh, but you know the dice didn't land your way, so uh, sadly a 12-1 uh, loss. So apologies. It can happen, can't it? You know, dice games at the end of the day. I think yeah, the might management on your part was very well done, keeping enough might to sort of get moves when you need them, and that sort of thing was not what I expected because like, I've just got that much might to burn. Yeah. I was hoping that it would maybe swing my way with the might, but it just didn't because yeah. I was using so much to get the kill here and there. And I think you're right. Yeah, well, I was agonising over who was calling each move, where it was important, so where you had to... So I think I was thinking very carefully about where my, I was spending my might, whereas obviously you had so much that you were quite happy to call two heroic, com- uh, sorry, two heroic moves, uh, you know, the odd strike here or there, and you had the death as well, so obviously you don't, you don't, you're sort of thinking, you're fine, you've got loads of, uh, loads of might coming out of your wazoo, but uh, maybe maybe just uh, a couple more bits of might right at the end would have really really helped you out but I mean it doesn't help if you keep losing some of those roll-offs well, so, you know, that's just the way it is isn't it yeah, yeah that's just you lose a roll-off and yeah it goes from there really cavalry struggle without yeah. it so yeah Absolutely. what can you do really well either way uh, cracking game uh, well done uh, best of luck for the rest of the tournament yep you too thank you very much game number three of Gates of Gondolin and we're playing a game of breakthrough uh, I've got Jordan O'Brien here also called Jobby I understand <laughs> Jobby 93 on Longshanks there he is uh, also uh, part of a team any, uh, heroics. any heroics and a YouTube channel Re- relatively new is that right yeah please subscribe any heroics on YouTube please do subscribe what, we, what do you um, do lots of like fun casual battle reports on yeah it's, it's taking the hobby in a kind of competitive but fun and casual way sounds pretty cool actually okay so with that in mind breakthrough so I've got uh, obviously Ellen Dillon Gilgalad what have you brought with you so I've brought a Morialist yeah. that centres around the watcher in the water yeah. so I've got three goblin captains with warbands pretty much full uh, I've got Druzhag with three spiders, three wargs, and a shaman just for the fury. There's 52 models, loads of goblins, uh, but it really, the centre point is the watcher in the water. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it is. Uh, so, so with that in mind, so Breakthrough is an objectives one where uh, you've got two on the centre line, sort of 12 inches from each side, and you've got to defend one and you've got to take one. The one you're trying to take is worth more than you're trying to defend, which is obviously flipped for the other player. Uh, what was your game plan going into this? Did you have a big plan? This is, with the Watcher in the Water, is a particularly good objective, a scenario for me, because you tend to face right up in front of each other, which is exactly where I want to be on this. I've got no bows in my list, just a few prowlers. So the aim was to be, you set up first as well, so as soon as I saw you set up on the front line, it's mirror that and hope to get the Watcher in early and let her do her business. Yeah, and and my God, did she do her business? So I think it was. So you you so uh, if, for people who don't ha- haven't played the Watcher very often, it's a three plus for it to come on. Three, so you roll priority. Yeah. I then choose whether I want her to come on or not. I keep calling her. her it's I've decided that. That's fine. Um, it's cute. Um, on a three plus, she she comes down. Um, on and a can two, you mic that? You cannot mic that no. at all. Um, and if not, then the next turn you have to keep rolling until she does come on. Yeah. So, so, and, and she can come on, and if she lands, she disrupts everything, she just everything including your own guys, which I was expecting some, I kind of, maybe it was too stupid, I've never played a Watcher in the Water, I was expecting the Watcher in the Water to drop in my stuff, but clearly that's not a wise idea. I think this is the mistake a lot, why people don't rate her is because 
you think, oh, brilliant, I'll put her where in your lines, she gets trapped, strike up, she dies. Put behind your own lines, she can then use her tentacle rule to great effect and just choose where she's pulling out combats that are in either her favour or in non, not in your favour. Yeah, and, and crucially, you mentioned the two bats. So you've got two bat swarms here as well. Sorry, so I didn't mention them. Yeah, there yeah, are you, No, you mentioned, that, that you mentioned that with Drew's uh, so, so I guess you whip them and you have a, a base that you specially designed so that basically here is the zone that you're going to whip something into. So she can set up a combat trap. Yeah. So as long as you know the exact measurements of where the base size is. So I've got a 40 mil base, 25 mil base, I've got a 70 mil, 80 mil base. You set it up, you show your opponent is the nice way to do it and then you put a trap around it. When she drags them in, there is, she's then in com whoever you dragged in is in combat with everyone she's in base contact with. So, so this is a tricky one for me because because, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't really take... I, I knew that the Watcher in the Water was nasty, but I kind of didn't know how nasty. Uh, I was expecting... underestimated her. Yeah, yeah, I did. I definitely underestimated her. Uh, you know, both of my heroes... So, first turn, you drop in. Uh, you know, Gilgalad and Elendila charged the frontliner goblins. All the other guys are lined up. I Honestly, the fights were well stacked in my favour. I, there was a bit of terrain between. Uh, there were two blocks of terrain. All the fights were going to be pretty nice. I had the kind. I was over the. I was pretty much on the line. So and I had quite a lot of objectives, not not tied up. One of them was a bit. It. I, I thought it would eventually go, but the other ones I thought I'd lit, nip round. But, I mean, I, I thought I had a good spot at the start, and then, bam, the watcher. What in the first turn you got what five five tentacles or something like that, and you whip Gilgalad into. Target only Gilgalad. To make sure that he came in. Yeah. So, so if you it basically, if you whip something and you don't kill it, you drag it into combat. So Gilgalad, absolutely perfect target, defense eight. You're never going to kill him in one shot. And if you do, great. <laughs> don't I matter. Had, I had two captains, I think, a bat swarm, and everyone had everyone that could have a spear sport had a spear sport. So I had about what four, six, another. Three, nine, plus the watcher's six. I've got 15 dice in that fight to roll a six. Yeah. Because of the batswoman and the watcher being fight six, I'm guaranteed to win the fight if I roll a six. Yeah. So so basically, in the first turn, you, you whipped him in. He, uh, I, I call her out defence, because what else can I do against such reckless... It's the only thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, and, and I do. And I think you... I think you only just pip it. You get like four or five. Maybe four six. it was four sixes. Four sixes in total. You kill Gigaland one turn. Second turn... Uh, we call her eight move-offs, and I won the roll-off, roll but sadly I'd, I'd, I'd sort of boxed myself in with Elendil, so uh, I didn't really, I was still within six inches of the Watcher's tentacles. I could have also moved four inches Yeah, well. you could have moved forward, yeah. So it wouldn't, I mean, unless I wasn't boxing and I ran away, yes. Elendil, and, and even if I did... Oh, if you, if you run away with Elendil, they're perfect. Don't matter. No, no, Elendil not in the fight. Yeah, exactly. You just whip something else into it. So you get the banner or the Rivendell Knight or whatever. I can take three elves, like kill them a turn. You're fine. It's great, yeah. So, so you whip Elendil in. Same things happens again. Heroic defense, not good enough. And then, so I... That was clear. It was just the four sixes it against was, It was exactly yeah. right. But, so at this point, I, I, I think I know I failed my fate, didn't I? I yeah, failed you failed your fate. Yeah. On a two as well. You had yeah, one two. I had left. one might left. Because yeah. you'd moved, you'd combated... No. Oh, no, I moved in defence. Yes, moved in defence. You had one might left, and then you rolled a two for your fate. So a three would have done it. You yeah. would have been alive yeah. to die the next turn, probably. Yeah, but oh, oh yeah. You survived one more turn. I would have, I would have been around. But the, I, I guess the crucial thing is, because I, the fights were definitely going my way. Like, there's no doubt about it. I was winning, I was winning or killing in... The first turn, I think I lost about 
eight goblins. Yeah, yeah. And it was a, it's similar, maybe a little less than the second turn. But I was chopping through the goblins. But once I'd lost Gilgalad and Elendil, essentially there was just no there was no way I was going to win because you had the moves, you could trap me. You, you had could no do agency it. anymore. Because yeah. even if you won priority, I can just call a move with one of my captains or a shaman yeah. or yeah, Druzhag. Yeah, you got all the might in the world. Like yeah, and and I, th- I think at that point I was like, I'm going to lose this. So how do I how do I mitigate? How do I get some points? And the only way I could see that I could get some points was send some. I had like about half a dozen dudes that could go round to threaten the lap back objective, but there, there were some wargs hanging around there, so they couldn't really get to the objective. It slowed them down. Yeah, it, and then and then you had the watcher who whipped as well because he was up, yeah. he was just he was sort of in between the middle and the back objective. Uh, so essentially my only objective I got like I thought well if I get a few guys within three inches of the final objective that survive and one and the one of the side objectives then I might get some points but I think at that point I was it was almost over and I, I started doing like fainting two hand fainting uh, <laughs> you know all those sorts of things and 25% before I could get to the back objective just to like, claim yeah. a few points like because I knew I was going to lose but I thought if I get like two maybe three points then at least at least I'd have something to show for myself. Even to, like I'd, rather than a, if you don't want to say a ten nil win, it could have been a six nil win or like it's points and all at that point, which you should play for in a tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start to play hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, why I'm t- I, I want to deny you points because 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 you, you you've just fucked me over, man. I, I want to <laughs> I want to take anything I can away from you. So, uh, but uh, as you mentioned, ten nil uh, because ultimately I couldn't. Uh, there was no way I could get anything. You 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 very very carefully played your captain. He was the leader, which is unusual. Uh, a cap- for, for 800 points, a 40-point goblin captain with shield. And he, and he managed to survive, <laughs> which is great. So, so the captain survived. You killed Gilgalad. And in the end, I, I think I contested an objective, uh, which denied you the last two yeah. points. But everything else was yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, was, um, it, was, it was a thorough routing, unfortunately, for you. Yeah, it was um, a real fisting. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like... This does happen the first time someone plays against the yeah. Watcher. I've heard you, stories you, and it's strange. You hear it and then you underestimate it when you see it yeah. because you're like, and again, you expect them to come in a position that's like anti you where you are, mm. but I place mine generally behind my own lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it actually doesn't affect you as much as you think. And it's about where I want to protect her. Yeah, yeah. She's actually really vulnerable. She's delicate. Mm. She needs to be caressed and held and loved and just fed what she wants to eat. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, I think it. I don't really know what I could have done differently, if I'm honest. Because if I was a, was a bad match yeah, for you, I, as well. if I was like six inches behind my lines, then you'd be fighting Numenorians and uh, fight six dudes. Which, yeah, I might have won some of the combats, but also you'd be flipping six, uh, d6 shots into those guys and dragging as many as you wanted into yeah. the combat, and you'd have just churned through those guys with a watcher. Also, you can pick off the. I'm giving all my tactics away here, mm. but you can pick off front ranks. You also don't. And not only do you not lose fights but you don't lose goblins then as well because yeah. you pick up the front man and then the spear sport's not fighting yeah. and actually what you're doing instead is just keeping goblins alive and the watch is still killing two or three a turn so how, how are you losing games because like you lost the first that was my first game that was a war of attrition I lost the move off in the first turn and it was against that was Sol- contest wasn't it yeah and a Sol- of Laurie and Druzhag ran away and it was we only played three turns in the whole game uh, across the thing with no slow play at all just such nitty gritty positioning and uh, can it fit through and lots of it's like we had to explain a lot to each other because both of our lists are so tricky yeah yeah that we were kind of going can you get through here can you do this yeah yeah it was a is, this a, is this a good move and all that yeah. I lost 2-0 yeah 
Yeah. Uh, he broke me and I didn't break him yeah. because I sort of know I get the plus one to wound in combat. See, see maybe it's just that the, because I've been so severely drubbed and I couldn't really do much against it. But like, how, how do you usually beat this kind of list? Like against against you, how how does? I mean, maybe my list is a weird example because it's two uber heroes and that's yeah. kind of all eggs in one basket kind of job. But what sort of lists can you beat the Watcher with? Oh, um, Kierdan is fantastic against the Watcher. Blinding Light. Drill. Um, the Shadow Lord, I, I've never played the Shadow Lord, but I imagine he's good. Blinding Light can completely fuck the Watcher. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been swearing. <laughs> oh, cool. I, I realise I could. Blinding Light completely fuck the Watcher um, because you're relying on a six then, or a five and then you use your one might to get it. Um, what else does well? I mean, uh, the Watcher's been killed before by Aerostor with uh, three elves that got the trap on. So if you can get a striking hero and you can yeah. get rid of the bat swarms, it compels work. If you can compel a bat swarm away, yeah, I guess that's a way to yeah. do it. And I guess um, all these things, but the problem is all that sort of stuff relies on, uh, you've got two bat swarms, so it's going to be hard to compel stuff away unless you've got two casters. Them, yeah. yeah. And then if you've got two casters or, or maybe sentinels or something like that, because they're low courage. But well, I mean, I can have fury with just hand. Yeah, yeah. So if I come oh, against yeah. sentinels, I cast fury You, you don't mind, it. yeah. But like me, like there's not really much I can do against it other than maybe hire my two uber heroes. And then I've got 300 150 something points nothing, yeah. sat doing nothing Which so I'm also happy with because yeah. then I'm just killing Numenorians or elves yeah. instead so yeah. you like in that front you can't win it's about the list that really beat the watcher are ones that are with blinding light or that have enough magic that they can like either transfix bats compel them or like fuck with them in some mm. other way that you're getting them yeah. out of that base contact bubble that I've created for you to fall into yeah so I get I guess it's one of those lists that like that you just there's, there's not a lot you can do against because there are lists out there like you know you assault on Helm Steep if you get the wrong scenario you just you just a kind bl- of a ballistic can one shot it yeah yeah I, I, well exactly but like for me against there are certain lists that if I play against them in certain scenarios there's just not a lot not a, cha- not a lot of chance but there are certain scenarios where there's probably a good chance so you know I, and that's fine this also this love this list this list loves scenarios where we are meeting in the middle. Yeah. If I have to march across the board from 12-inch deployments, I actually, I'm not that happy with it. Yeah. Um, it loves those, yeah, Contest Champions, even sometimes, if I win the roll, Contest Champions comes down to a 50-50 roll-off in the first turn. If I win it, I can win Contest Champions normally quite easily. Um, it's, also, she's 200 points. She's a big drain, and if yeah. she doesn't perform, you lose the game. Yeah, I guess if you'd have rolled a one three turns in a row for your shooting, because yep. uh, it's D6 shots, you'd rolled a one and then missed. I've lost. Yeah, but sadly that didn't Gil-Glad, happen. Gil-Glad, Gil-Glad does what he wants to do. Yeah, 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 exactly, but instead it was like, you know, oh, she was very standard, it was like threes, fours, fives, that sort of thing, and then you did you did the work. So, Well, either way, uh, well done, a cracking game. Uh, really interesting, because I've never played this before. I, yeah, it was hard to play against, and it was a little demoralising, I'll be honest, losing Gilgalad one turn, Elendil the next turn, but it was really good fun. So I, 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 I learnt a lot. Less demoralising for me, I will say. Quite enjoyable. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for talking to me. Not your expense, Harry. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much for talking to me. So there you go. Let's put a, put a pin in that. Um, let's uh, let's take a pause. Let's have a break for a second uh, and assess what's been happening over the course of the day. Um, obviously, two losses and a win. Not a great sort of start. And particularly annoyed about the um, contest of champions. I thought that's the sort of one that I would um, I'd absolutely rinse um, in the uh, uh, in this sort of sort of format with Gilgalad and Elendil. But uh, of course, I didn't didn't really I just think I'd chosen the wrong hero didn't I like uh, if I'd have chosen Elendil I, I would have had a better chance against the casters and all that sort of stuff but Ryan's a great great player anyway um, with the with the Serpent Horde and the Mordor Alliance it's it's kind of the, the sort of 
the the meta pick isn't it it's the soupy nonsense that that you want so that's great um i didn't mind losing against ryan ryan's a lovely chap um always uh, happy to have him on the podcast uh, sorry for the wait on getting you on the podcast uh alex's game that was great sees the pride love that uh really great fun um a 12-1 victory to me um so uh, it looks a little bit one-sided but uh, it certainly wasn't the case um however <laughs> the the game that was one-sided that last one against jordan o'brien jobby 93 as we like to call him on uh, long shanks um 10-0 loss against the the watcher in the water and as you kind of just heard I just I just didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what to do. And I think um maybe my army's not ideally suited for um for sort of fighting back to back against um against uh, a watcher in the water and goblins because I don't I, I it's kind of elite. The fight six is massively wasted on the goblins, isn't it? Um but he was just pulling in um pulling in those big heroes and just trapping them with the bat and just just annihilating them, munching them. It was pretty awful. Um and <laughs> it was an unpleasant game in some ways, but Jordan was a lovely chap, and I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed the kind of the the discussions around it, and the kind of the the like the shock of it. I like because I've heard stories, but I've never actually encountered it. So um, I, I don't know how, how how to counter that. I guess I think I, I I've seen since then. I've seen um, uh, Alistair King um, play against uh, a similar army, and basically he just put his dwarf heroes really far back and just was like right well i'll just win with my um spear line against his spear line but that was dwarves so maybe he had more chance and i think i would have been overwhelmed a bit so i'm not really sure how to win that one uh, any ideas let me know um so now we're going into day number two and we've got uh, three more games left so i really want to pick up the pick up the sort of the the steam um as we go into day two and hopefully hopefully pick up those those wins to get at least a half and half um uh, would be nice wouldn't it um so we'll see what happens let's crack on with day two here at the gates of gondolin and it's heirlooms of ages past for game number four and playing robert jackson um and we we were having a, a couple of bevs on the friday night as well so it's been a social weekend so it's really nice to to be able to have a game against you uh, here first of all heirlooms bit of an, a weird one we've had all the weird ones i think this weekend haven't we, we have, yes. uh, so um just just give it before we get into the, the scenario and uh, walk walk ourselves through the uh, the game. Um, what what's your army? What have you brought here? Because uh, it's cool. It's really cool. It's a unusual one. Uh, it's a fully mounted uh, ministerial army. Boromir as a leader. Gandalf in there as well. Twenty odd knights plus three citadel guard, all mounted. It's a really cool idea. I really like it. And actually, something I've taught taught the idea of thinking about recently because. The, the banner is so good for giving yourself that fight four and obviously you've got some Citadel Guard that are fight five as well so it's actually it's, it's a pretty fearsome list especially when you've got that cavalry charge off with the, with the lance bonus it is um, a lot of people they look at it and go that's a lot of knights mm-hmm. they look at a deployment and go that's a lot of knights and then they're thinking they've got time and then they realise that's a lot of knights yeah. really bearing down on me in yeah. two turns yeah. and then they hit yeah. hard yeah. Um, yeah. whereas whereas they're going oh I've got defence 8 or 6 or whatever you know, it's like no I'm now 5's freeze or 5's it, and it can chew if you get the roll offs on the uh, dual rolls it can just chew through an army on the charge but it does have its drawbacks of course yeah and I think I think I, I encountered those drawbacks I, I, I essentially I mean we'll talk about the heirloom in a minute um, but we both kind of it, it, it wasn't one of those bad heirlooms games where someone rolls a six really quickly and you pick up the objective and you, you completely changes your game uh, this was you deployed a, uh, we, the maelstrom rolls didn't really make a difference uh, we're all kind of on I had to spend a mic but fine um, and 
you, you kind of defended one with one guy and I defended one with one guy and we just kind of met in the middle and I, I, I picked a chokehold or a couple of chokeholds where I could use my fight to the uh, value to the advantage I could get the spear lines and, and ideally just slowly chop through your guys and because we've got plenty of time in these games um, time isn't a particular issue so I just knew that as long as I could grind out slowly chop away at you use Gil Galad and uh, Elendil to stall um, Boromir then I might just be able to win the grind war um, and, and I guess that there's not really much you could do about it because I put, ch- chosen that pinch point and that was that uh, yeah no I mean that is one of the big drawbacks is the choke points um, because mounted anything mounted takes up a lot of space mm. so you have fewer models in the combats so at which point I then see, turn that a disadvantage into an advantage going I'm going to lose the war of attrition if I don't get the dual rolls lose the war of attrition yeah. badly because that way you got to play the objective yeah lose the model count quickly enough to hold the objectives and get the victory points at the end yeah. uh, and ending it in your favour. Yeah. And, and you did. You had a good plan because there was that choke point so you sent some stuff round the back of the building and I don't know whether it's just because I'm hungover or just an idiot generally uh, or I, I don't know what but essentially uh, you, you slowly wheedle around and kind of could loop around to threaten that objective in the back and there was a turn where you were well away from that objective and I had a choice I could moved like four or five uh, bowmen I think it was four bowmen um, and maybe my knight to threaten it and, and then Elendil as well could have protected that as well and if I'd have done that then you wouldn't have been able to pick up that objective and then well you wouldn't have been able to burn that objective and um, and then you know the game would have been very different but uh, I just just thought for some reason I had it in my head that you were going to pick it up and I'll be like it's fine Elendil's 10 inches away I can kill you and then I'll grab the objective but obviously you need to get a six to do that and that's not what you want Uh, it's what I want so I don't know why I was thinking Uh, so you did burn that objective and then it changed everything because it meant I had to wade through your line and you know I'd been really nicely built up into this choke point uh, and I was winning because of that or winning the kind of war of attrition as you say because of that but then I really needed to crack through and and that was tough going it was um, I mean to be honest I was looking at it earlier when you left a wide open gap where I could just charge straight down mm. with one or two knights. Um, then, I had, then you close that off, so I had to go around the back, mm. um, and you left that wide open. However, yes, it was a worry because I have to burn it, mm. but you still got that chance of rolling that six in the most inadvantageous position when you've got Elendil bearing down yeah, on him. Yeah. It was just one guy as one, well. Like. <laughs> one guy, yeah. one knight just going frozen in the middle of the entire rear of your army with Lendil on him so it's literally you could put in Lendil a load of warriors and then um, kill him off with a warrior yeah. um, and I wouldn't even lose much position because Elendil had just heroic combat off him anyway so yeah, that so. it was it, it, it was a it was a would have been a, a, a bad thing I think that would have been a really unlucky thing to happen and I'm glad it didn't because as it turned out you know you, you ended up uh, getting, burning that objective and playing it properly um, but then I had this really huge uphill struggle to, to wade through uh, I did manage to uh, Gilgalad uh, took uh, Boromir went head to head once uh, he took a wound um, and then the second time Elendil joined in the fight Gilgalad struck up I spent pretty much all, all the remaining might to uh, to kill Boromir in one go which was pretty epic uh, and then from that point on it was like a it was like a game of, of, of wacky races or something because I was just stringing along my whole army it was this massive bubble because I had I'd lost very few models really yeah. uh, I think I'd lost about 10 and um, it was just like this bubble of people 
inching forward closer to your your guy on the back line and then then you broke and so you were worried about him running away so Gandalf had to come back to support him and it was just but I think luckily there were just enough little guys pottering about that I could hurry combat off them and push myself further along and and we spoke just after the end of the game um, I think you made one pretty big mistake in this uh, game and that was it there's one and it was just you forgot to move the guy who had the objective once yeah. or twice and yeah. that was it that, if you'd have moved him there's no way I'm catching you yeah no um, I, I mean this is one thing for all of this mm. is remember where the objective and remember to move that model because yeah. leaving him just out there on his own mm. means that somebody even if you dehorse him is going to catch up with him yeah. and if it's someone like Elendil with a free hero combat who is just bouncing off left right yeah. and centre yeah. He's going to catch up very quickly, yeah, and he really did. And and it was, and it, you know, I'd lost, you know, I was sort of bemoaning the fact that I'd lost a lot of the priorities in uh, roll-offs in the sort of in an ensuing phase. But when it came to clutch, I, I won the right priority when we'd run out of might. And if I'd lost that priority, you'd have been you'd have been off. Uh, but I did, and I managed to pin down uh, Gandalf with Elendil and Gilgalad and charge one Numenorian into uh, the dismounted knight of Minas Tirith, who uh, they had an epic duel. In the very, very final turn. Well, I mean, it didn't need to be the final turn because I had a, a shields in on everything. I was ready, more than ready to shield to prolong the game for another few minutes. We still got plenty of time on the clock, or we did uh, before the start of the interview. And, I think, and that basically did it. I mean, I, I called the, the heroic combat with Gilgal and El- Elendil, but Gandalf's not going to die on one go with those re-rollable fates, is he? Uh, he shouldn't do. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Um, and if he does die in one turn... Um, I suggest buying new dice yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah it's um, yeah I mean I also made a mistake with uh, Gandalf uh, his, Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, the last I, couple of turns you did you forget a one wants to do magic I think you were so focused on moving back to to get to make sure that your guy didn't run away so you forgot about it yeah yeah, yeah forgot about the magic to cast a sorceress blast or an immobilize mm. or a command on um, either Lendiel or Gilgalad Um to, to try and just knock them back, yeah. knock them away, move slow them out, down, yeah. slow yeah. them down so they are out of sync with each other. So because we're all out of might at this point. Yeah. Um, I there was another thing I did, where I did mention actually because uh, Gandalf had called with me because you wanted uh, you you kind of wanted to bring some guys uh, back towards the the uh, guy holding the objective as well, which which meant that. Um, that you weren't able to charge and pin me down in a spot, and uh, I think that also uh, was. A, uh, I don't know whether you, you didn't. I don't think you needed to. If you didn't call with me, Gandalf would have just jogged on back. Yes, I might have got the charges and stuff like that, but you would have hemmed me in a bit further, further away, which would have been a little bit more of an uphill struggle. But either way, Robert, I, I think you did. You, you, I made a catastrophic error by um, leaving that back objective open and you uh, giving you the chance to burn it uh, and hand yourself the objective. And I played, my God, did I play hard in order to uh, try and catch up because, uh, as we haven't quite revealed, uh, the Numenorian who was fighting against that one dismounted knight, uh, he managed to win the fight. Uh, he was high fight as well, so that, that helps. Uh, and on the roll of a five, he killed him in one go. So... I was quite lucky to, to have won that fight and kill him. Basically a one in three chance, wasn't it, after winning the priority as well. So, you know, the odds were probably against me to catch up uh, in that. But I guess I'm quite happy that I managed to play it to be possible because, yeah. you know, you, you create your own look in a way. You do, uh, especially in this game. As uh, everyone knows, it's all about getting those five sixes and working towards get maximising uh, the chances. So, in this instance, that plucky little Numenorian warrior was very lucky. Uh, so 
well played though, Harry, yeah. in this game. Um, you deserve it <laughs> very much. Um, I've learned a bit about this scenario myself um, because I think the other thing is you got if you do block off uh, or hang about to catch of a what last objective, burning all the others, have a small force sat back in a choke point or something to give that guy uh, the chance to run. Yeah, so, um, which is what I'm trying to do. Too late. I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, your army is going to. It's really difficult to to leave too many people behind because you had such a small number of uh, of people. But uh, either way, Rob. Uh, Cracking game, really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a real nail, nail biter to come down to that last fight. But it so often happens in SPG, so thanks very much for the game. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. 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 Game number five of the Gates of Gondolin, playing against Robert Ram uh, in this matchup, and we're playing Fog of War. So this could be a tricksy, uh, interesting one, uh, all about capturing the terrain and uh, protecting a hero and killing uh, one of the enemy heroes. So I've obviously got no choice. I've got to protect Elendil. Uh, and my, my opponent Rob he's got to uh, try and kill Elendil which is a, a tricky task but first Robert uh, just give us a run through of your, your list because this is A it must be said it's a beautiful army I told you before I'd, I've already voted for it for Best Painted so it is absolutely extraordinary beautiful line, uh, crisp lines of, uh, of detail on this sort of sea of red and black and the kind of traditional style so first of all fantastic uh, exactly what, what, what have you got here? Um, so I've brought the host of Khan today um, I've got uh, two kings on chariot, uh, three chieftains, two of them on chariot, one of them on a horse, to, he can be the one that can point forward and tell everyone to get moving, yeah. and 24 horsemen, so yeah. it's pure Khan, no yeah. Easterlings involved, so a yeah. big big 29 model, well, little 29 model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it certainly looks imposing and big, and it, this, it's interesting because I've, I've played some canned in the past, but I've always allied them, and you see a lot of allied uh, canned, but it's, it's really cool to see the whole army like this and see how it works, because... Uh, in many ways, they're a, they're a shooting army as well. Like everyone's got a bow, um, and you put out a lot of damage in oh, the yeah. first few turns. I mean, it must have been around ten models. You think in the, before we'd engage properly? Before we clashed, I think it was around about ten dead, mm. which it, it's just really really strong for me because yeah. they're just skirmishing around. They're just sort of moving half, shooting, and just seeing yeah. how far we can go. And just let the chariots go in, and then just keep shooting. Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, because of the chariots, the, the threat of that that uh, a the march because you can march and do the chariot with the two strength four impact. Hit it's on both horse and the rider so I was kind of pulling back the first couple of turns just because the, the, the priority combinations weren't very good for me so I, I made sure I, I stayed away as, as far as I could but in a way I guess that was part of your strategy is hem me try and push me as far back as possible so that it makes it really hard for me to grab the terrain piece that I'm after yeah I think it was around about turn three I called a march and it mm. kind of just forced you to go back towards your board edge mm. it was like okay I can gain some ground and then work up and then maybe keep the shooting going where yeah. you're just going on the edge but go gallard and a little little retro his little gang god <laughs> man just sneak around the side yeah yeah they did they did get through i mean gil gallard i think probably because the uh, i think you were slightly unlucky in the the heroes that you that i'd chosen or well, i'd chosen your chief the one of your chiefs as my target and he kind of he went a bit further forward than others so i'd already shot him a little bit i think i'd taken a wound yeah. um uh, early on and maybe did some damage to the chariot I can't remember but um, it just meant that Gil Gallard had an obvious target right okay Gil Gallard's going to go for him so if it, if it wasn't if he was if he wasn't my target I think he would have been a thorn in my side anyway yeah. so he would have been really frustrating but trying to do yeah yeah exactly and I think that that helped help me that it, it was just a very easy decision I don't mind sending Gil Gallard because I'm going to get points for killing that guy um, but it, it was very difficult in the middle so um, your your initial chariot charge did uh, it 
didn't I think it was blunted immediately, but then you got her at combat off, which also didn't do exactly what you wanted. Yeah, unfortunately, the chariot charges didn't really. I didn't really get a good line of going where it's just they just keep yeah. trundling through. Uh, a smash thing shot one chariot, um, one king through, not the leader, but just the other king um, to try and just take out Orlandiel's horse. If they lost the king, it would have been fine, but the horse was dead. Mm. Uh, but didn't even manage to scratch scratch the horse up, yeah, and then that was, that was bad lost though. the king. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was it was pretty rough. Like I mean, you know, you've got two strength four hits to get a defense four horse. So I think we I don't know what the percentage are, but it's like 60, 70 percent or something yeah. like that, maybe seventy five. Um, so yeah, I, I, that was really unlucky. And then Elendil just pr- proceeding to then chop chop his head off yeah. in one go oh, yeah. uh, was pretty brutal. Pretty epic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, yeah Numenorians and the elves are really just like what's the last alliance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> against some morally judgment men. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're, we're sort of the riding high and, and castigating all these immoral folks out from the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess that that didn't help. So because you, you, uh, it meant that Gilgalad had killed one or, or was was dealing with one chariot. He hadn't killed it, but it yeah. took ages. And then the other one I'd killed. And then your chief with the might. Uh, on the horse, he'd called my move, so you kind of you were getting quite low on might by that point, and then it yeah. meant that Elendil had a little bit more room to breathe. Like I won a couple of the crucial roll-offs uh, to avoid some really disastrous chariot charges. Yeah, my, my main king in the middle was unable to kind of move. Yeah, it, it just kept getting stunted. Yeah, because uh, Elendil kept going, but they kept just bouncing off each other, kind yeah. of. Yeah, because yeah. there was I think there was one turn where you struck. And I, I agonised over it uh, of what to do because I, I thought likelihood is you might you might wound because I think I charged you um, so you only had the three shots so I thought you could you could feasibly do some real damage here uh, and you probably take the horse but if I if I uh, if I strike and then you know survive next turn you're going to get a chariot charge off yeah, and I, so I, I really really struggled with that that was the last point I might have had as well we had a good conversation about it mm. it was a case of oh do then bring in Gilgalad from the other side to yeah. bring in some might into the party but we figured it out was you could then never uh, you couldn't stop the other chariot from doing anything yeah. it, it was good. you had two might and you were ready to do the two moves yeah you were really helpful actually <laughs> to yeah. be fair like the, I think we, had, we had a good time yeah we had a really good chat about that because it was, it was I thought it was I, I just asked I just said what do you think I should do here <laughs> like honestly because I, I know you're obviously you're going to uh, uh, have a slightly biased opinion because you, you don't want me to, to win but ultimately uh, I think you, you gave me some pretty sensible advice you know, yeah, well actually that's not going to affect it so there's no point you calling the heroic combat with Gilgalad to get into the middle so yeah all, and it all kind of uh, worked out in the end anyway because uh, Elendil just survived. He just kept, he kept winning fights. He kept uh, not dying when he needed to not die. It, and 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 then of course there's the the look of the draw over which heroes you've protected and I've protected. So I had to protect Elendil, but Elendil eventually chopped his way through and, and went to the ruins to help uh, to sort of swap. Uh, tag team with Gilgalad. Gilgalad went in the middle to try and kill the remaining uh, uh, hero chariot in case you had chosen to protect it. But you didn't choose to protect that because you chose to protect which hero? Uh, my chieftain on horse, hmm. which thinking, oh, he'll spend his two might, he'll do what he needs to, and then he'll just bugger off, yeah. thinking that he'll be safe, but he got he got caught. <laughs> well, it, I didn't realise how important it was, but I... Uh, just on a whim, I jumped uh, a Numenorian off the, the yeah. set, like this little bit of ruin in the middle. I was like, oh, okay, I want to get someone on the other side because then maybe next turn I'll be able to charge, I'll, I'll force a might out of you or whatever for a charge. Uh, and he rolled a six so he could, could charge the, that 
that chief in that first turn. And by doing that, I suppose it kept him in the middle, and then then I could he, capture him. That turn, you, know, you had priority to do that because I charged another horse in after it, mm. just in case the worst would happen. Because um, the way it was, he was trapped in that corner. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, bugger. Um, so I had to go in. Otherwise, he was leaving that turn. Yeah, and yeah. at that point, it, everything was so con- it was just a mess in the middle. Yeah. Um, it's like I've got kind of got to commit at this point and bring the bring the chieftain in because I need the fight five to help against when there's just a Numenorian yeah. on his own. Yeah. And and that I, I didn't realise how important that dice roll was until you revealed at the end the the protect. So fascinating. And there were loads and loads of things like that. I mean, your shooting was really good early on, but I, I did win quite a lot of the roll offs, which are really important against cavalry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just little bits and bobs here, there, and everywhere that. That, that were just clutch that you know as I mentioned already the chariot happened to be the the only one that I could shoot at in the first three turns was the one that was I was my target so it just meant that you know I wasn't I didn't need to sort of pretend that I was going for one or the other I just went for the one that yeah. I could see and it didn't really give much away so uh, yeah fascinating game uh, Robert a ba- bad luck I think uh, in in some ways in terms of just just the way way things went but ultimately it was uh, I, hope, I hope you had a fun time yeah, yeah it was great great times oh yeah we should mention you, you also sent a feint you did a sort of yeah. a guy <laughs> off into the corner uh, which I was there I was Basically, I was so far away from my ruin on the left-hand side that I thought, ah, I'll just let you have that. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to make sure I get my uh, terrain piece for this I, I, one. I charged at one. There was a ruin in the middle as well, which, yeah. which was my objective. Yeah. And I charged a horse on top of that, and he kind of just sat there for a long time, yeah. unimpeded. And I said, like, oh, he's fine there. And I fainted over in the, in the far corner. Um, which I think at a point I kind of just point out just, oh yeah he's still there yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well because he kept rolling like double six for his terror as yeah, well I, or sorry his courage checks yeah, to stay on the board away, but the guy in the middle who needed to stay there ran away yeah, uh, yeah I didn't I didn't pick up on that because obviously I thought you'd, it was yeah. the other one and then in the last turn I thought uh, I'll put an elf on uh, <laughs> I'll put an elf on the terrain piece just, just on the off chance and uh, yeah he ended up sort of essentially uh, stopping you claiming any points for it just because he was there and you had one other guy on there so it was uh, it was amazing that all these little little things that could have gone uh, my way basically did it, it was definitely a game of nuances yeah yeah it was, yeah, it was yeah. great but uh, a brilliant game thank you very much for this time and best of luck in the final one yeah, thank you for yourself as well yeah. game number six the final one of the day here at gates of gondolin an exhausting day it must be said uh, and after that 12 nil win uh, in fog of war i found myself upstairs so uh, i haven't really set the scene here so far they were in the engine shed here at the gates of gondolin and there's like a, a dance floor where most of the tables are uh, with like a stage for t- top tables and then the kind of chaser tables so all the way up to table number three are, are on a kind of balcony looking down over the over the people in the pit um, and looking at the, uh, the the top table as well so I found myself uh, upstairs playing on table number seven uh, for the final game against Jaya Chowia welcome to the podcast again hi Harry thanks for having me Ah, thank you, thank you. So, first of all, divide and conquer. Um, uh, let's just get a rundown of your list because this is this is pretty cool. I, I think I played some similar stuff before, but you've gone really hard into the hero side of this. So, just give us a rundown. What have you got for your army? Yeah, sure. So, I've gone for Lake Town and Friends Alliance. So, mm-hmm. what I've gone for is Army of Lake Town. So, Master Braga, Alfred, and they've got all got twelve um, troops in their warband, twelve bows, eighteen spear, and six with uh, six with sword. Mm-hmm. And then I've allied in. I've tried something different actually. I've gone for White Council Alliance. I've gone for Saruman on horse, the leader, and he's also got Galadriel, Lady of Light. Mm-hmm. And then I've allied in Thranduil's horse and gone for Thranduil uh, on horse, uh, just with the circlet, not with the additional sword. And he's got a sentinel that he's um, leading yeah. as well. Yeah, so really interesting. So, so it's about sort of half your army, or just over half your army, is the is the allied contingent of uber heroes, essentially. You know, and you've got a bit of a mixture of, of sort of skill sets there. So just just walk us through those actually, because not everyone will have, uh, have sort of used them and. and understand what your combination does so well so what is it what they fit there for 
Sure. So for those who don't know, the late sound is pretty much just a horde to make up the numbers. In terms of their special abilities, obviously we all know that Alfred gives Mike back to any late sound heroes, which obviously I use in this game. Uh, the main clutch point is actually Braga. So when he's within six inches of the master, he gives a free. If it actually gets a free point of might uh, on a four plus for any heroic action, which actually came up pretty handy in our game, didn't it? Where I think I got about five free might points yeah. to, uh, to do heroic moves, heroic marches and heroic defences. Uh, the master, he has a buff of six inches where I can spend a might in combat to effectively give a banner effect and plus one fight to the late town troops. For the actual other heroes though, so Thranduil, we all know what he does. He's there for the nature's wrath and for the aura of dismay and just a fight six hero with three attacks on the charge. Sentinel is pretty, pretty good in terms of she can give effectively a free command on a, uh, to an enemy model. So they take a terror test. If they fail, I get to move them full range of their motion uh, in any direction I want. And I use that quite to good effect, which I'm sure we'll come on to later in this game, Harry. And in terms of Saruman and Galadriel, so Galadriel actually, she doesn't really have much use in this particular army. She's more for against any enemy casters, effectively. But she's got minus one terror bubble to, um, to opponents' models. She also has, you know, she's three attacks at fight six. She's got fortify spirit and banish, which isn't actually that effective in this particular game and matchup. Also has instill fear, which I used once, but again, not actually huge in this particular mm. scenario. But yeah, I mean, she's, she's more for if you're playing Angmar or someone like that. Yeah, 100%. But Saruman's the main, you know, sort of the main bulk of the, the threat in this army. So he's got 18 inches in terms of his range for most of his spells. The ability to, you know, move 10 with the horse and then cast 18 inches to command or immobilize or 12 inches and do a sorceress blast, I think is huge. And keeping at the back of your line means there's never really going to be any threat for your, you know, for your enemy actually getting to him. And in this case, you actually never got close to him, did you? No, I, there was just no chance. I mean, he was always really, really far away. And I suppose part of that is the the, the setup for the scenario: uh, divide and conquer. Uh, my army split up, so I don't necessarily get the fight six um, spear supports. So I've kind of divided my lines a bit, uh, and, and 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 it also meant that. Your, your whole Lake Town contingent came in one block and then your kind of hero support came on in another uh, edge and were just kind of around the edges uh, uh, doing all the magic they needed to do and, and you know only really dived in when they when they really needed to and I guess that that's kind of how it panned out you marched your dudes onto the objectives in the centre so you get more for the middle objectives slightly less for the outer objectives so you could you had that ability with the like you said the free heroic marches from uh, Braga which was pretty cool uh, it got you onto the middle so I was always arriving a bit late churning in you've got the heroic um sorry the aura of dismay up uh, as well so it sort of disrupts the charges and all those sorts of things so it was really my my game to try and win and your game to lose here do you think yeah definitely agree with that. i think the fact i had two free marches got to the middle meant you were already facing an uphill battle in terms of trying to get there and breaking the line which obviously did do quite well i thought towards the end um, and then i think the two key areas were in the first two turns where sentinel was able to effectively a dude from each of your flanks, one Numenorin and one Elf, was able to command them with Eldemar Madrigal, move them in front of your your two heroes. Saruman then came up after and did a Sorceress Blast both yeah. times onto the two troops. And actually, I was quite fortunate that both times I came off, I had to use a point of might, I think, for one of them to, uh, to actually cast it. But in both cases, I was able to dismount both of your heroes straight away, which I think was huge in terms of your killing potential and, and also getting, getting them close to the middle as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it stopped, it's it stunted their kind of their early charges. I mean, they're both. Uh, the Gilgalad didn't eventually really get into combat. We'll talk about that in a sec. But uh, Elendil, you know, he, he's he's able to do some chopping even with this heroic combat. Uh, so he, he did get there eventually. But I mean, as you say, it, it, it was essential that, that those guys failed their courage checks and uh, so early on and trapped you and all this sort of stuff. It was really really cleverly done. I, I, I've I've seen 
sorcerer's blast has been used before, but the conjunction of the uh, of the two, the the, the uh, sentinel move and the uh, the blast was just so it was such a smart move. And then uh, from then on, uh, because I had that just that less fighting power, it was relying heavily on my troops winning. Which, to be fair, they absolutely churn through your guys like Butter. I mean, your defense four. I've got the higher fight value with the spears and stuff, and even the Numenorians were winning a lot of the fights as well. So so I did chop through a hell of a lot of your guys. I think we should put it in context, Harry. So I've got 36 late town troops. You killed 29 of them by the end of the game. So I think that tells you how many of my models were left at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, the strength for the Numenor, your higher fight with the elves, and man, every time you want to fight, I practically yeah, you practically yeah. killed, didn't you? Whereas in my case, if I want to fight, it was a struggle to win fights anyway, even with the banner effect. But I just couldn't kill you and couldn't break through. Um, and ultimately, I think the fact I got to the middle and just sort of sat there and you had to break through and try and get the win through the objective yeah. was probably the only reason why it was as close as the game was. Yeah, and, and I, I, t- I totally agree. And I think, crucially, you were you were able, with your heroes like Galadriel and, and Thranduil, you were very focused in your um, w- the places you were trying to clear out. So you, you charged exactly on the objective where I was a... I don't know, Elendil kind of was, he's probably about six inches away from the centre objective and he got distracted by Braga, who kept calling heroic defences. So, so it, it ended up, really, I should have had him in the, in the centre objective and pushing out and kind of moving around in the middle and pushing everyone off and uh, avoiding him. That, that would have been a, probably a, a cleverer move. Having said that, I did manage to get a, a, a master, I wounded the master with a, um, a charge from, from a Rivendell Knight and, and did some stuff. And, uh, actually, the master ended up running away. But, but re- crucially, you, you just had still got enough guns even though I know you say there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys dead you had just enough in the right places which I didn't really have in the right places and maybe I, I lost focus on uh, on the objectives which I really should have done and, and Saruman having one on the uh, on the flank on his own which I was just never able to get to uh, really really did win you this I think crucially though my my heroes so Thranduil and Galadriel both actually only got into combat in the last game mm-hmm. I think Thranduil had two combats prior to the last turn yeah. which I, he both lost combats for but actually didn't take any wounds and also yeah, kept fight six guys because fight six yeah absolutely and kept them out as well which obviously crucial but in the last game called the heroic combat and managed to kill two guys which were sort of you know contesting the middle objective but then calling that combat and then killing two more meant I killed four mm. just with Thranduil Galadriel as well called the heroic combat in the last turn which is actually her first turn in combat actually would, yeah. would you believe but her killing two models as well which I think were contesting the middle objective yeah. meant like she killed between the two heroes killed six yeah. I think I needed ten to break you in the last turn Something and I think like I that, managed yeah. to kill pretty much on the dot ten yeah. to break you yeah so and, and that as you say very focused as well so four of those six that you killed were, were contesting the central objective which uh, once we did the measuring it was literally uh, it was four I think to you and three to me so it was uh, which included Galadriel so you know what if one of those guys survived or, or whatever but you had you had might to might to make sure it happened so I think I think that was probably going to happen but uh, as it as it all sort of panned out, I think the score came down to 9-1. So it sounds like an absolute drubbing, which I, I think is probably... I, I, mean, I know I, I, you're shaking your head, but I think uh, the crucial thing here is I was, I was churning through your, your stuff, but in the wrong places, or, or wasn't re, rejigging my lines to, to focus in the centre, or, or even on the, the outer objective, which you got uh, one point from because you were uh, just, just three one to three to two again. So it's just, again, if, if I'd have just refocused these guys in the middle, I think I'm uh, just going to count them. There's one, two, three, four, five, six... Uh, six guys, seven guys in the middle, and uh, that are nowhere near or sort of between two of the objectives, and they're just outside of both, which is uh, just bad planning on my behalf. I think. I think the other crucial thing to mention is obviously Saruman's contesting one objective by himself yeah. with no one else anywhere near yeah. him, so that was always going to be mine. But I think and the that's key, two, yeah. which is two points. I think the key thing is though the game actually ended on the first possible turn that it could have ended. Ah, sorry to cut Jay short there. I assume it was either a battery or a memory card issue there, but there we have it. We've got uh, uh, actually a success 
successful day number two, haven't we? So uh, uh, lovely, lovely conversations with Rob, uh, Rob, and uh, two Robs and Jay, uh, Jay Charrier there, um, and. It's it's. I always love talking to Jay. Um, I, I think we heard from him in the last podcast about um, his his win at the um, Unnumbered Tears and just his his sort of analysis of everything. I, I love I love how he's uh, how he sort of talks about these things. And you know, uh, we were doing. I was obviously doing relatively well after the two previous wins by sizable margins as well. Um, so uh, it, it, I was in quite a quite a privileged position to be on table seven at that point, and uh, Jay got the nine one win, so he was he was sort of propelled quite high up the leaderboard. Um, but either way, uh, lovely lovely games. Uh, Rob Jackson uh, with his ministerials, uh, loads of knights and stuff. That was that was good fun, but still managed the twelve one win there with the heirloom, all because of the heirloom essentially, wasn't it? Um, and then Rob Ram as well, uh, a twelve nil victory in Fog of War. Fog of War is always going to be a good one for Ellendil. I mean trying to assassinate Ellendil is like ha good luck um and I had to protect Ellendil again you know so it's quite an a quite a good one there for me um and, and I managed to get the 12-0 win which is pretty good on table 12 at that point so uh, it propelled up to table 7 and to give me the uh, the half and half so I got the uh, my three victories were sizable victories 12-1 12-1 and 12-0 um, but then on the flip side, also a 7-0 loss at the start, uh, a 10-0 loss um, against uh, Jordan with the watch in the water, and a 9-1 loss against Jay in that final round, which, um, you know, I, f- I felt like I, ha- I had some chances in that final uh, round against Jay, but just clearly wasn't enough. Um, so either way, I'm, I'm pretty chuffed with that. It wasn't like it was a complete disaster. Um, it cer- certainly showed that it was it was definitely a fun list to play. There's no doubt in my mind that was a great, great fun list. Really enjoyed using the uh, the Last Alliance list. It might be something that I bring back out again, particularly because I really enjoyed the... Um, uh, I really enjoyed the the Gilgalad and uh, the sort of uh, an Elendil combo with, with just the absolute mashing up with two massive heroes. Um, it seems sometimes like two uber heroes might be a bad idea, and and I, th- I suppose on the face of it they kind of are, because um, usually that means that you've got sort of too many eggs in. I guess two baskets, but still, it's sort of putting all, all all your stuff into two guys. But they're they're the guys to put them into, right? Like if you're going to put all your ba- eggs in any basket, um, then go for that. So uh, that's what it did. So I, I managed to get the three and three, which put me at twenty third out of fifty five, fifty six players, something like that. There was a couple of drops, so um, uh, fifty six in total uh, plus some drops. So I got twenty. So yeah, I'm sort of in the top half um, of that because of the the sizable wins. But um, I certainly wasn't anywhere close to the top i mentioned jay uh, a charrier uh, there who ended up in eighth but who won the event uh, we've mentioned already uh, the top two people in the league uh, the league uh, we've got jake rawson we've got dave farmer uh, big shout out to Aaron Pullen, by the way, who came third. He's one of my uh, my team colleagues in the fella bellies. but who won let's find out Dave Farmer, veteran of the podcast, I guess. We've spoken a good few times uh, at tournaments, uh, at various wins as well. Big GBHL 100-pointer event. Uh, we'll walk through some of the armies you faced uh, over co- the course of the uh, the tournament. But first of all, just give us a vague idea. Well, well done, first of all. <laughs> and uh, give us a co- uh, run-through of your army for the tournament, please. Uh, so it was Mordor and Serpent Horde, or Mordor and Siladan. So it was Witch King, medium size, so 3, 13, 2, Horse and Crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shagrat, my favourite. Yeah, you all, you, all, you don't go home without him, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, and the Shadow Lord. Um, then I had uh, I had 14 Black Numenorians backed up by 16 Orcs with Spear and Shield. 
just regular ones, and then nine trackers and a wild rider with throwing spear, and then Sullivan to, to round it out. So nothing with Sullivan. No, he was on his own. Yeah. I never got punished for it, fortunately. Uh, okay, well, yeah, that's it. Because we did have a Maelstrom match, didn't you? So, I mean, so uh, first of all, obviously, there's there's loads of different tools in there. But just just give us a general overview uh, of why why this army works and why you've designed it this way. So, I really wanted to use double caster again. It's been a long time, mm. and I've always kind of resisted using the Shadow Lord because he feels like he's a bit too much of a fix anything kind of tool. But I thought, screw it, it's time. Let's go for it. And. Uh, he fixes everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he kind of does. <laughs> it's just having the second caster after the Witch King, having the... Uh, uh, Pole of Darkness? Yeah, yeah, Pole of Darkness. I only actually had to use it extensively in one game, but against um, the Lothlorien shooting, it was... Uh, that is Elf Lothlorien, not mm. Goblin Lothlorien. Um, it was absolutely necessary. Like I had to use it like four turns, and without that, he would have shot me to pieces. So yeah. very, very, very useful. Yeah, and, and the double caster, of course, because uh, this, this tournament, it seems like there's been lots of uh, uh, people with sort of big hitters. Like uh, We'll talk about Bjornings in a second, but there's, uh, I know you've placed two Bjorning armies, so that's two sets of bears, and I guess double caster can be very helpful in those sorts of circumstances. Is that, is that kind of the, the thought process? Did you expect to face bears more than once? I didn't necessarily expect to face bears, but having the two casters to potentially overpower resistant to magic was extremely important. Mm. I've ended up playing bears twice and Lothlorien, and those are all resistant to magic armies. Mm. So having the two the two shots at everything was so vital. Like bears are incredibly durable, and stopping them from doing stuff is hard. So if you can pull it off, having two casters is necessary. Mm. Um, and how, how difficult was it? Because I know the, the very final game you're playing, Ed Ball, uh, who you know he's he's a, a top table titan. You know he he's a, a tough player, and he's bringing the uh, the two Bjornings. How, how difficult is it to overcome those sorts of things, especially in these sorts of scenarios that we had uh, in the final one, which divide and conquer? Yeah. So final divide and conquer. I had Suladan and Witch King in one corner, Shagrat and the Shadow Lord in the other, mm. and I just said. Okay, this game, Suladan is not doing anything. He is just marching three times, getting my army into one spot mm-hmm. on the far side of the middle from where they started mm-hmm. because I didn't want to get picked off piecemeal by the bears, basically. Yeah. So I set up on one with a nice bit of terrain to anchor me and in a position where I could fight for the middle objective. And yeah, I, it worked really well. Um, and Suladan lost his horse quite early, but I was just using him as a banner. Later on, he started wading in to... Uh, B55. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But, yeah. yeah. But other it, than that, it, so I mean, it, it's in- interesting though. So, cause, you know, we, we, I don't know what the like, meta kind of talk. I'm, I'm not, I'm not very good at following the, these sorts of things. But, but I, I've certainly noticed there's been quite a few of these like um, Balroggy type things, and then there's loads of assault on Lothlorien, loads of assault on Helm's Deep, uh, and a couple of Bjorning armies. What, what? But, but it seems that this sort of army that you run, I know um, the Ryan Gregory also did pretty well with a similar kind of list, and um, the. the it, these sorts of armies seem to be able to handle with most of these kind of shifts in meta. Is that a fair get, uh, assumption? Yeah, so double caster is always going to be good, no matter what. But the main thing is this handles the Lake Town nonsense pretty well. Mm. Um, having two casters to deal with, like a Guahir or a, or a, uh, a Thranduil or whatever they've dropped into it, mm. you can handle that. You've got frontline D6, which means they don't grind well against you. You've got Fight 4. You've got the Terror, which means if they don't happen to have a Curden, they're going to get all disrupted trying mm. to charge you you've got great courage as well so you can usually charge back if they have war of dismay yeah. and you've got um you just yeah it just really grinds well um and then you've got i've got the the three like shadow lord doesn't really hit in combat but he can in a pinch if you pile onto something yeah. use his might to set off a heroic combat and then you've got shangrat Suladan, both very capable. Uh, having Shagrat as essentially disposable ki- killer was so good in this army. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Uh, well, it, it's fascinating here to hear all this. Uh, just, just finally, the, the the model count here. I, what are we talking? About? I didn't didn't quite ask that. I have I have forty four. So yeah. so a solid a solid number. Yeah, it's kind of elite, but like on the slightly larger side. Yeah. Bigger than anything elite, smaller than anything haughty is how I found it lands. Yeah, and I guess because you've got the black Numenorians on the front. Yeah. Yes, you've got the orcs in the uh, back line, but yeah, you've got the solid fight four and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, thank you very much, Dave Farmer. Well done on uh, another GBHL 100. I think this puts you quite high in the league, right? I've already beaten my score from last year. Oh, well, well done, on, tournaments. well done on that. Uh, congratulations. The dust has settled at the end of another uh, cracking weekend uh, at a Seventh City Collectibles event. Uh, Gates of Gondolin uh, will champion, of course, the organiser as ever. Will, uh, I mean, I know you're sort of probably... Your mind must be going mental after sort of sorting everything out and, and packing everything away so quickly. But uh, how's it has it been? What's it been like? It's just another weekend, baby. <laughs> you know, we, we do this all the time. We love it. Um, it's been a really, really good weekend. New venue. Everyone has absolutely loved it. Um, morale's been very high. It's been lovely to see so many new faces. Um, I'm going to get some stats for it, but on Longshanks, there were so many like new entries, which means, you know, lots of new people. Really, yeah. really happy about that. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's that's one of the reasons that this, this event was... Because uh, obviously you do mostly... Uh, stuff at the uh, at Seven City in Nottingham, um, and and you did the the GP at the uh, uh, at Risley Hall, which is sort of sort of on the outskirts of Nottinghamshire. But this was a big big jump to to move up to Weatherby, so uh, Yorkshire. So this is a good, you know a good few hours travel. So I guess it was a bit of a risk in some ways. <laughs> From a business sense, it was a phenomenal risk, um, and and how successful that's been uh, is not for me to say. Mm. Um, it has been a stressful weekend, um, but the response has been absolutely phenomenal which um, for William is all that matters yeah yeah absolutely because the whole one of the big parts of this is is growing this this kind of area North North England sort of has uh, got a bit of a dearth of events there's not huge events like this one that, that are happening here so if you can pick up your success from one place and put it here that, that's kind of the idea right yeah and that's the aim we're, we're in a really fortunate position in that we've we've got huge amounts of terrain supplies mat supplies tables and all of that so we can pick up and go anywhere as you know it has to work for both of us but i'm really passionate about um growing the community in general i've been part of this for a very long time and it's mm. one of the best things in my life and i want you know i'm not like a charity worker or an ex-footballer trying to start a youth foundation <laughs> but like i want as many people to get inside this awesome community as possible um and in the north we have some really big like flagship events like in manchester preston but they're they're so few and far between and in this new region i want to just sort of condense it a little bit and get more events in more areas to just bring more people in and then mm. they will travel to the the places like Preston and Manchester whereas last year it was all of the north of England all of Scotland all of Ireland and it's you know the regions that we're working on as a as a committee and a league that we're trying to build they have to be actually accessible as a region for people to compete and that that's what I'm wanting to build this year yeah and and ultimately having something on your doorstep just means that you you're more likely to give it a punt if you've never been to a tournament before and I guess that that's reflected in the the people signing up that if you're uh, what was it that uh, you've had said a few people registered on uh, Longshanks who've never done it before and I guess that that's good a good sign and and you know I don't know whether this is going to happen here again or, or not but it, I get hope I guess the hope is that each time you do it you might get another five another ten or whatever yeah exactly the the le- the fact of the matter is the league will always be propped up by the the old regulars that travel to go to events and they are the most important people because they're the guys that have built the community from when we used to meet in pubs with 16 players um but every time if we it's, it's sort of increasing the the momentum and getting that snowball effect mm. if we can just get a handful more people to come to each event and then they come to the next one with some of their mates and then some of their mates come and then that's how we grow it particularly mm. in areas where it isn't as popular now or, or i mean it's there it's there to be discovered isn't it yeah yeah um, and it's and it's i guess it's just working out when when the the events become sort of these bigger events or whether it's the still the 30 tournament uh, events 
events and stuff like that. But it seems like, I mean, what was it, 50-something players here? Yeah, we had 56 here. Mm. Um, we, we had capacity for a, a chunk more, but like that's, that's a good number. We're happy with that. 56 yeah. is very reputable anywhere that you go in the country. Yeah. And, and you know we spoke about uh, at the GP about some uh, some of the issues with with food and, and all these sorts of things that you know perhaps could have been ironed out uh, a little bit better. Uh, but here it's it, everyone's been pretty complimentary. Yeah, I mean the, the feedback for me has been absolutely phenomenal. I mean you as an attendee, how was it? Yeah, well I, I enjoyed. I had a great burger uh, and it was yeah it was really good. We had these, this token idea for the uh, for the for the beers, which was which was a really good idea. So you can sort of buy some in advance for a little bit of a discount. So yeah, I, 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 it was it was distinctly improved on the uh, on the previous ones. Still perhaps a bit expensive than I would I would like to pay but you know you, you kind of get get it's, it's with the program isn't it you know in a big hall like this big engine shady type fancy place you know you're going to pay a little bit more for lunch than you would at a you know Mackey's or whatever yeah absolutely and it, it all comes with the territory one thing that I really like to see is events in a, a slightly more premium location um, and you know I, I, lo- I love gaming stores. I love the like the town hall model. We will be um, village hall. Sorry, we'll be running events at village halls. You know, we'll, we're, we'll go anywhere where mm. we can run an event. But running it somewhere like this does just feel special. Mm. Um, you know, we've got the lovely mezzanine. We had players upstairs and downstairs. Um, a bar right, up, literally just off the playing space. It, it's you know, and that does come with with costs. But I think that the payoff and the the vibe that people get is significantly higher. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a fair point. Well, I, either way, uh, will it's a, a cracking event as you say, growing the northern region. And you mentioned just at the end uh, as you were giving awards out that, that there's plans for another I guess similar kind of idea here in Ripon in New Yorkshire yes absolutely so once upon a time um, when I lived in Ripon we had of Dyson men it was one of the original stalwart events um, not quite as excellent as the, the likes of Sterling and the big boys it was only in a pub but Ripon was on the calendar once um, and then I moved away and we sort of had a bit of a hiatus but we're bringing it back baby um, so of Dyson men is returning this year in Ripon in September and is it going to be a similar sort of thing like a big hall type thing where you know when there's going to be plenty of capacity or is it is it back to a sort of smaller 30 40 or you know maybe a little bit smaller even absolutely not no so that's going to be um a village hall um just on the outskirts of ripon we'll have capacity for somewhere between 80 and 100 players um a, a big chunk of players um, and we will also have access to um, a kitchen and a bar that we'll be putting on ourselves so it, it's going to feel like a real a real community event mm-hmm. where you know um I'm I'm the the chef the, <laughs> the, the the chef the barman the judge the jury and executioner. Oh man, I love that kind of event. That's exactly what I do at Imps, and um, serving at the bar is probably my favourite bit of the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't think I'll have any special brew like you do, but maybe maybe you can bring a cask and we can collaborate. Look, we can work on that. We can, I can bring some Entraft. That'll uh, when when is it? Do you know exactly? Uh, I believe it's the 9th and 10th of September. Ooh, we might be able to wangle that. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Will, uh, once again for talking to me on podcasts, and it's been a great event. I've really enjoyed myself. It's been completely. Uh, 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 yeah, it's just been a great weekend. I'm feeling a bit hungover, but other than that, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. I'll, uh, I'll see you at the next one. <laughs> so there you go, Gates of Gondolin. I'm so sorry uh, to Dave Farmer um, for uh, this this interview because I know he's been absolutely rinsing it in the league. Um, I, I'm sure he's not listening to every podcast and sort of weeping to to find out that his his interview never uh, never materialised. But it did eventually, and it's t- t- materialised at a great time really because um, he he is very much in contention to win the league at the moment I mean it's like fractions of a of a point I mean I don't know if you follow the league sort of scores and it's the sort of thing that most people aren't, aren't sort of that that interested in I guess if you're if you're not in the top tables but um it is fascinating this time because um I think they've I, I can't remember the exact number but I think both of them have won like uh, Jake and Dave have won like seven or eight um 100 point events something stupid like that and so they've got like an ex- 
and the way it works is you t- you take your top four scores and then uh, the tiebreaker is the next highest score and then if there's another tiebreaker it's the next highest and the next highest and the next highest and it keeps going and and it's on like the seventh or something like that I, I don't know what or the seventh score or something like that so it's absolutely mad that um that it's that this, this is happening still um you know they've done so well this year they've won so many events between them that you're getting onto their seventh score uh, to to judge who's the winner, and then there's people like uh, Ashley Woolger, Woolger, who's uh, from the Gollum Gamers, who's um, who's also in contention, and then people like Jay Acharya who are climbing up the leaderboard. So there's loads and loads of stuff. Uh, we'll find out more about all that in uh, a future podcast at the GBHL finale. But still, really, really interesting um, a kind of time to be hearing from these guys. So uh, congratulations to Dave Farmer on this win. I know it's belated, but thanks very much for for talking to me on the podcast again. Uh, and I guess that's it. And the next time you'll hear from me is at um, the uh, the the rings of men so this is going to be a fluffy event um and we've also got some excitement for uh, the next episode because we actually have get this two special guests appearing on the podcast and they're both in a different hemisphere find out more next time Burrum. 